Blog Talk Radio. We've had the best football picks for a decade, and we ain't stopping now. Live from the IMLD Home Studios, in its 10th season, this is, in much less detail, the podcast, where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. Now your host, Jay Andre. Welcome in, everybody, on the week between the Super Bowl. We have the Honors and Dishonors show live for you. Yes, you know what time it is, you know what you're here for, and you're going to get it. This is In Much Less Detail, the podcast here with you live on a Sunday night, February the 5th, 2023. I'm Dre, he's Jay. We've got our tuxedos, our cummerbunds. We are ready to hand out the hardware as only we can do it in our own special way. You know, you can tune into the uh, NFL honors and get all the guys giving the speeches about how heartfelt everything is and how happy they are to, to be honored. But this is the show that gives out the hardware to those who deserve it for the good and for the bad. This is the show that covers everything that happened of significance in the NFL season this past season, 2022 the stuff that the league wants you to remember, and believe me, the stuff that they would really hope that you completely forget. But we do not forget. It is IMLD's 2022 Honors and Dishonors show, and we are so happy to have you here and ready to give out the awards. Jay, I know you're ready. I am always ready. These are my favorite shows anytime we do awards, which is why the football party was so much fun this year with the new format because it's a a miniature version of what we're going to do tonight. And uh, I've got, as usual, my set of words. I know you've got yours uh, where you can go a little bit more freeform. And, uh, yeah, it's it's always fun to, to look back at the year, um, to find the things that were the best, the worst, things that we forgot about. I actually had one tonight as I was going through because I wanted to – translate my awards into the program that I've been tracking all the awards throughout the year and I realized that in my notes I had a note to myself about an award I'm giving out tonight like don't forget this because I forgot and I'm glad I had it there so I'm like oh perfect so I don't have to think about that award and it just slid right in there and it, 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 it it's a good one I don't think it's something that we ever talked about on the show uh, which are always some of my favorite awards that we give out when we, we actually can sneak something in past the other one that never makes it on air in all the hours that we do this show that we can still get to the awards and pull out something new. Uh, I, too, have something uh, for an, uh, one award that I know um, we didn't – if we talked about it, it was briefly in passing, but I don't think we mentioned it at all in the show, but we'll see. Uh, if it's the same exact award, if it covers the same content, I'm leaving. I'm done. I'm just walking <laughs> off and We're retired. I'm, I'm going somewhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I cannot imagine it's the same thing. But I've said that before, and it wound up being uh, something similar. So you, you never know. With us, uh, if you're a new listener, uh, Jay and I are lifelong best friends, literally since 
first grade. So sometimes we have the exact same train of thought on some things and we surprise each other uh, by being right there on the same wavelength. Uh, we, we really are brothers from a different mother. Uh, we really do enjoy doing these shows. You, you have to enjoy doing shows if you're doing a podcast for 10 years and, and going on forward from here, obviously. Um, yeah. And our award shows, we definitely get uh, get a little loose, get a little crazy. Um, I've got some fixed awards that I give out. And then later on, uh, towards the end of the show, I'll do some uh, where I try to be clever and give some awards that, that, that aren't exactly uh, listed or uh, – you know, things that people would not necessarily think of. So uh, we, we try to keep it creative. We, you know, everyone needs a creative outlet and this is ours and we're very happy to have you here uh, listening. So uh, as always, our uh, tradition on our honors and dishonors is the first half of the show. I turn over uh, for his set list of awards. I now give the floor to Jay. Thank you. Well, these first two that I give out, you and I do give out sort of, in tandem because I give out my MVP and then I, and then you can give the shit and least valuable player and drizzling shit. So at least for these two, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's participation back and forth. This uh, MVP was the hardest award for me to give out this year. Everything else was easy. I probably could have slide, you know, slid everything in to these awards that I already have in five minutes. But, but MVP I struggled with. Uh, last year, uh, did we both go Cooper Cup last year? No, we shocked each other. That was where I took the white guy and shot you, and you took the black guy and shot me. You had Debo. Oh, that's right. So I had Debo and you had Cooper Cup. So that was the that was the shocking one. That's I, for some reason, I thought we both had Cooper Cup. We, maybe we should have. but Maybe. I, Debo, was, uh, Debo was the man last year. I, I had no argument with Debo. Yeah, uh, this year I struggled, and I, I dug into it and I put thought into it. You know what? What is MVP? You know about the value of the player. Uh, looking at where teams are, uh, you know we we unfortunately don't have to hold ourselves to just the standard of like regular season MVP. We're talking about the most valuable player that we have seen when we give this award out because it's our show and, and we can do whatever we want. Right. And I like it. You got philosophical. Thank you. And the numbers just to me that really stood out for MVP, you know, 3,700 yards passing. I hate giving it to a quarterback. You know, I always try to do it different, but 3,700 yards passing, eight yards per attempt, 35 touchdowns between throwing and rushing and only six interceptions over a hundred quarterback rating in a league that we don't really care about quarterback rating anymore, but over a hundred still good. And man, I gave it to Jalen hurts. Wow. I, I look at where that team is. And I think the problem that we have when we look at Jalen hurts, 2022 is separating him from Jalen hurts, 2021, you know, because the, the change was so dramatic. You know, everything improved. It went to that next degree. The passing improved. Obviously, when you throw A.J. Brown into the mix, that's always going to help. They've got that rushing attack. But, you know, through the air, on the ground, we saw that team without him. It it was the Gardner Minshew show. Wasn't a very good show. Um, Just dynamic in that offense. And got his team all the way to the Super Bowl. And 
it wasn't really, you know, it wasn't a rough ride for them. Uh, they didn't really have the toughest pathway to the Super Bowl this year. Uh, we can talk about that in the next show when we when we pick the Super Bowl. I, I was very impressed, and uh, it was really I was really splitting hairs between uh, him and him and Mahomes. <laughs> you know, all these guys were all sort of clustered in there together. But I have to uh, appreciate because I know you you might not be going there, but I'm going to appreciate the body of work that Jalen Hurts put on paper and on film and on the field in in 2022 through the air on the ground with his legs with his arm. He did it all. He's my MVP. I can't take it away from him. He uh, he was absolutely incredible this year. He was much better than I would have expected from him. Uh, you know, throwing AJ Brown in the mix helps a lot. Obviously, uh, that is a different quarterback from last year. Completely different guy from what I saw last year. Um, but it couldn't. It can't all be AJ Brown. As much as I wanted to, just be because they added AJ Brown. Obviously, he had to improve a lot as a quarterback. Um, in addition to having a, a great target like AJ Brown to add to uh, what he already had there with Devontae Smith and uh, Dallas Goddard and whatnot. Uh, he had a lot of help. He had a lot of uh, incredible offensive line play. Um, going by any metric you want, going by PFF grades, whatever you want to call it. Um, he benefited uh, from some great protection and that's not his fault. So I'm not going to, I'm not saying that to take anything from him, uh, but I'm just saying the organization around him uh, helps out and, and obviously props somebody up when they go from where he was last year, which is uh, frankly, you, you didn't want to see him throwing uh, if you were a fan of the Eagles last year, because it seemed like to me, anytime he was in a position to have to throw, like having to come from behind and, and everyone knows that he was throwing, it, it didn't look good. It, it looked like he was not somebody you wanted to have under center in that moment, in that scenario, um, because you take away the, the run threat and you just make him pocket passer. Last year, it, it wasn't good. It wasn't any good. And this year, completely different. Completely different guy, much more confidence. Um, Again, when you have A.J. Brown to throw to, you're going to have more confidence. Um, but, yeah, it was, it's a different guy. It's, a, it's incredible, the metamorphosis in one year. Um, similar to Tua in that last year and this year, Tua is total different guy, complete metamorphosis. Um, and also the similarity, obviously, you bring in uh, one of the top wide receivers in the league and put him in the mix, and now you have, whoa, look at this. It's a much different quarterback. Uh, but it's not just that. It's also the, the scheme and the coaching um, and, and not just having a, a great player added to the mix. So, yeah, I, it's not the same guy for me, um, and it's not quite the same process for me to figure out who I think was the shit. But no argument with what Jalen Hurts has, has done this year. He's been incredible. Um, I, when you started with the quarterback stats, I, I kind of thought, oh, he's, he's going with, with Pat. I, I just knew you were going with uh, with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, but uh, hey, no argument with Jalen Hurts. He's been incredible too. So I, I didn't even add in there on top of the 3,700 yards passing was the uh, over 700 yards rushing. Yeah. Oh, by the way, yeah, that in. 20, yeah, th- 22 touchdowns passing and 13 on the ground. Uh, that's that's a weapon. Uh, it is. I mean, the the ground is almost the first thing I think of with Hurts. Uh, just I guess being a Bears fan and thinking about that one play where they snapped the ball and he just ran up the middle and nobody was anywhere near him. It was like, oh my god, that 
how do you forget about his running? Just, they just totally bailed out and forgot that he could run the football. Uh, so I still have nightmares about that play. Uh, I sent so you my, a picture of that one. It was so bad. The Red Sea just parted, or the Green Sea, with all the grass in front of them. Just incredible. Uh, so where I go with when I decide who I think was the shit, which is my version of the MVP, um, I go differently. I, I go uh, more visceral. I go with who was the one guy who made me say, oh, shit, the most during the season. It's pretty much that simple. Like the guy that displayed the most uh, moments that made me go, damn, or wow, or oh, fuck, he's the man. Um, and it's pretty much that simple. So to not give it to uh, Jalen Hurts or Patrick Mahomes is not a slight at all to, to those guys. Uh, I guess they were more stable uh, players than spectacular. Maybe I, I value the spectacular a little too much by doing it that way, but that's just it's my award and we can do what we want, as we just said. So by that criteria, this year, the man that made me go, oh, fuck, or oh, shit, the most – he is him. You mentioned him, Jalen. Uh, just uh, Jalen, Justin Jefferson, uh, the Vikings wide receiver, and the numbers behind that—not just making oh shit plays, but just being the steady presence and the the presence in, in this league of unprecedented unprecedented high talent at wide receiver. Uh, One hundred twenty-eight catches by Justin Jefferson. That was best in the league. 1,809 receiving yards. That was best in the league. Eight touchdowns, 14.1 yards uh, per pass attempt, uh, per catch, um, and a, a hidden number in there, 80 first down catches. Think about the math on that. 128 catches on the year, and 80 of them were for first downs. That's like two-thirds of your catches where you just say, okay, give me the damn ball, and we're going to move these sticks, and we're going to keep it moving. That is unbelievable. That is some incredible uh, presence, field presence, uh, importance to the team to, to keep the chains going. Um, and, by the way, no turnovers, no fumbles, no uh, nothing like that. Just as steady as it gets, but even more than the steadiness was the plays where he just willed himself and just went up and took a ball. Didn't matter how many defenders were around him, two defenders, three of it, didn't matter. Uh, un- unbelievable catch radius, just stretching uh, this way, that way, up in the air. It, it didn't matter. You put the ball anywhere near him, and he was going to bring it in, uh, which makes it even more egregious that his quarterback, with the season on the line in the playoffs, decided that, nah, I don't want to go to that guy that's been making all these plays all year. I'm going to check down and throw a three-yard pass on fourth and eight and, and hope that we can get a fifth down. But anyway, that, Justin Jefferson, man. you were the shit. He was. He was. Uh, probably – the one I thought about the most, and, and this might sound silly, but I knew you were giving it to him. <laughs> okay. I, I, I just, I knew. I, if this was the most predictable of all of the awards, <laughs> I knew because we talked about it all year. How do you not, you know, especially the way your award is structured, it, nobody made more plays like that uh, yeah. than Justin Jefferson. The, you know, 18 is him. Um, and we uh, highlighted that multiple times on this show. Uh, we had a lot of him, <laughs> yeah, literally, <laughs> in our awards this year for, for his performances. So I, I'm not going to argue one bit with what, with what you said. Elevating that quarterback and that well, team, probably the brightest spot 
on that team was was Justin Jefferson and, and what he's uh, been able to accomplish in what, what two years? Is this his third year? The second or third, but yeah, he, he's right up there already. Um, and, and it's just too bad the Vikings are such frauds. <laughs> but more on that later. Yes. Uh, so your least valuable player. Least valuable player. I, I I didn't struggle as much with this one. A couple reasons why I have this sort of unwritten rule, very baseball-esque, right? I have an unwritten rule that I tend to not double up least valuable with worst rookie. That's hard to do. You have to be something special, bad, to have me crap on a rookie, you know, twice <laughs> in one show. Because uh, you're a rookie. You, you know, very rarely are the expectations that high. So I didn't. I, I eliminated all the rookies because there were some bad ones this year. Don't worry. We'll get to that part later. Then I ended up finding myself going, can I really give least valuable player to somebody who only played in four games? Games, wow. And the answer to that was yes. Because in those four games, you only played four games, and you, you, the least valuable player, directly affected the outcome for two teams. Least valuable player, Matt Amendola. Oh, wow. The kicker for the Chiefs and the Cardinals, losing both of those teams a game. Uh, first one was Chiefs-Colts back on September 25th. This is a way back machine. Chiefs-Bucker, uh, Harrison Bucker's hurt. Matt Amendola is missing extra points. He's missing field goals. Andy Reid is so afraid of the kicker, passes up a field goal that ices the game, and it wasn't a long one, to go for it, and then doesn't get it and allows the Colts to go all the way down and end up tying and then eventually winning that game. So then he gets cut because he's terrible. (laughs) And then what happens? Oh, the Arizona Cardinals pick him up have the Philadelphia Eagles completely on the ropes two weeks later to the point where you and I even gave this an award because we could not believe that after as bad as he was two weeks prior, that somebody not only had picked him up, but was trotting him out there to try to kick a field goal against the Eagles to potentially tie that game late. And, of course, he misses it. Of course. Of course. How can you wreck – two games for two different teams in a two-week span. If, if that's not least valuable, I don't know what is. Yeah, that's a, that's a breathtaking amount of suck to, to fit in. So, <laughs> you're a kicker. You don't have that many opportunities already because you're a kicker, but you managed to take full advantage of your opportunities with two different teams to completely screw over and, and screw up a, a couple of different games. So, yeah, uh, not only was he – uh, least valuable for what he was doing, but as you mentioned, he's least valuable because it, it affected the decision making of both of those teams going forward. Because both of those teams had opportunities later to use uh, that kicker and uh, the next week, yes. and just said, "No, nah, no, nah, we're, we're, we're not, we're not kicking. We, we can't trust this guy. We're go- we're just going to keep going for it every time <laughs> because we can't trust this guy." And it's like, why is he on your team if you can't trust him? Why would you even? 
bother going through that. So yeah, that and was we the had guy. that we had that discussion. Like just just go for it to just always go for it or just <laughs> go for two. I mean, why do you even bother rostering this kicker? Yeah. Yeah, that's what it broke down to. So Man. uh both teams eventually came to their senses and got rid of him again. So if, if we see him surface once again, uh, I think we discussed that too. Like that's clearly a team that is trying to tank and is trying to lose on purpose if they pick up Matt Amdola to kick for them because he clearly well, the, is not the guy. The shocking part of this story, as I find out, as I'm quote unquote researching this Matt Amendola story, is that late in the season, when the Packers were having an issue not knowing if Mason Crosby was going to be able to kick, they had signed Matt Amendola as their emergency oh. kicker. Oh, no. We could have seen this three times in one season. Wow. Well, uh, that's uh, that guy. Um, I'm glad you remembered him and gave him an award because, frankly, I'd forgotten about all of that garbage. <laughs> that was a long time ago. Uh, yeah. His, his career stat, his not career, but maybe his career, but his season <laughs> stats ended uh, all the way back in the mid-October. So, wow. You know, that was uh, the the next game for the Cardinals. They lost to the Seahawks, and he missed an extra point in that game. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, okay, we're done with this. <laughs> so it took a while, but uh, eventually they, they figured that out. So uh, great award by you, great recall to, to remember that loser who just completely should not have been giving, uh, given the opportunities that he was given. Uh, my award for worst – player leads valuable i call it the drizzling shits and it's similar to how i award the shit it's the guy that i think made me wretch the most during the season the guy that made me the most number of times go what are you doing out there why what what you why do you suck so bad uh so it's usually a guy that's been a veteran that has expectations of not sucking and all of a sudden uh decides to suck because sometimes it, it just goes that quickly with, with some of these guys you never know so i've, I've Given it to all sorts of players before I've given, I remember giving it to the running back Ray Rice uh, right before he, he punched his wife out in the uh, elevator or his fiance uh, because he was averaging three yards a carry. And as I pointed out at the time, the league didn't really care if you punch your girlfriend out in the elevator. If he was averaging more than three yards a carry, he'd have still been on the uh, the Ravens. But uh, it's because he sucked as a football player is why he got cut. So uh, it's the guy that just makes me. Jay, just the most times got, dude, what, what are you doing? Why are you so bad? And this year that there's so many candidates for the drizzling shit. So I had a, a hard time paring it down myself, but this year, oh, Russ, Russ, man. Russ, Russ, man, he, yeah, earned he it. was not cooking. He was not cooking in, uh, in Denver, uh, career low 84 passer rating, uh, 37 QBR is also a career low. 16 touchdowns, 11 INTs, 55 sacks. He just kept getting his ass kicked. 55 sacks in the middle of all the terrible throws and the bad play. Uh, the seven yards per throw, uh, that was a rally. Like, he was much lower than that. Um, Jay just dropped right in the middle of all that, unfortunately. So we, we're having connection issues, unfortunately, again uh, tonight. Um so I'm sure Jay will uh, get back on uh, shortly. Uh, hopefully I'm still on the air. Uh, yep, there he is. I, I clicked you okay the over button. there? I, I clicked oh, the Oh, okay. Button. All right. All right. It's not connection issues. Good. 
but yes, as, as I was saying about Russ, uh, the 55 sacks uh, in the middle of all that sucking, it, it should be 56 because his play was so bad that he got his, his coach sack. So the, that doesn't count the sacking of, of Nate Hackett as coach, but it should because he really got fired after uh, half a season because of how terrible Russell Wilson was at quarterback. And it, it just – I kept waiting for it. I kept waiting for him to get better. I'm like – I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. It's a new team. He's been with Seattle for 10 years, uh, new players, new coaching, just everything is brand new. Uh, he needs to get acclimated. Just give him some time to get back on track, and, and he'll be rusted. And no, no, it's never happened. It, it, all sorts of games, primetime games, uh, games where they go to overtime and the crowd is so disgusted by his play that they get up in mass and leave. Like, we ain't watching more of this shit. This is awful. Uh, just you name it, it was terrible. No matter what Russell Wilson tried to do, he could not break out of the season-long slump. Now they pay out draft picks and, and whatnot to get uh, Sean Payton in the building, see if that's going to turn around next year. But for this year, for the 2022 season, Russell Wilson, you were the drizzling shit. Yeah, yeah I don't have a whole lot to add to that, so I'll let someone else do it. Uh, players, they have the ball, and they're going to see if they can find a way to move it. Oh, nice. And so what's up? Oh, there's Russ Wilson. Oh, no! Oh, oh, oh. That's called a, uh, an, an interception. That is definitely not what he wanted to go. That that was some sour cooking right there. Uh, yeah, no, that was well deserved. And, and and again, that's like you had to be the top of the pile of turds for this season. <laughs> yes, the cream lot, did not rise to the too. top in this case. <laughs> no, the, uh, the the shit rose to the top of the toilet bowl. That's what that was. <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, and, this, and especially, you know, we talk about, like, my least valuable, the short body of work. Russ had voluminous statistics and performances that just made you scratch your head and go, well, what am I, what am I watching? And, and the, like you said, the saddest part is you're just, you're waiting for it. Like, okay, this is the week. Oh, no, 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 this is the week. And it just never really happened. And then he finally has a good game and he gets hurt. Right. Yeah, it was it was it was tough. It was a very very tough watch for all Broncos fans and for all Russell Wilson fans. Uh, hopefully, he can turn around next year. Is all I can say. All right. So uh, I'll rifle off a few here. Uh, just run down the rest of my list, and then we'll unless there's some uh, unless we hit both the same thing. So feel free to jump in if if I give an award to something that you doubled up on with me. That's usually the way we end up doing it, but. Quote yep. of the year. And again, with another award that you can just give away, like there's a quote almost every week, but it, this is a first for the, uh, in much less detail, audio visual portion of the show. I don't have the quote ripped because there's really no reason to play it because it will be the shortest quote ever for quote of the year. I give you no. <laughs> as uttered by Zach Wilson after a 10 to 3 loss to New England in which he went 9 for 22 for 77 yards 
was sacked four times for 33 yards, and then was asked after the game, do you feel like the you let the defense down at all? And his answer, no. And that was it. That, that, that was the whole answer. But that, in a, in a nutshell, was the season of Zach Wilson and, and, and sadly of the Jets where they, they felt that, you know, here we are thinking that turning to Mike White is the answer. Like, we have to go – you and I were even bought in. Like, oh, Mike White's back. Yeah, he's the man. That's how bad Zach Wilson was. But, yes, he gives us the, the humdinger of a quote. And no introspection, no humility, no no taking one for the team, realizing that, yes, you are the re- reason you lost. Yes, you let your team down. Do you feel like you let them down? No. No. That's it. No. So bad I, 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 get, I, I get that the quarterback's got to be confident and exude that, but you've also got to – be real and, and, and honest. And, and that was, I, I think that's the moment when he kind of lost his team because that defense all year played their asses off. And, the, you know, in one games despite their quarterback play. And here is his chance to take one and show some leadership and just completely didn't. Fabulous. Just a, uh, breathtaking lack of awareness of what the quarterback position is and what you're supposed to be doing as the quarterback, as the leader of the team. Just just a beautiful uh, chef's kiss example of why Zach Wilson is not the uh, the guy that the Jets want uh, as their franchise quarterback uh, going forward. I don't have any award for that particular quote, but I'll be re- revisiting uh, Mr. Wilson later on. Ah, okay. Oh, boy. Um Play, play of the year. Uh, again, I don't want to, you know, give too many flowers to the same player on this show, but there was no play better this year than the Justin Jefferson 4th and 18 catch during that Vikings comeback against Buffalo. That truly was the play. That's the jump off the couch catch. Yep. Goes up and sn- and snags that ball just hanging out there. Takes that thing away from a couple of defenders uh, in in the crucial. Like that is game over. If he does not make that catch, ball game. Bills win. Come back for naught. He goes up, pulls that thing away from two defenders, and converts that. Which again, even more head scratching. Why he he just ghosts completely not that he ghosted but that the ball just was not going his way late in the season like the last couple games and then in the playoffs why the ball was not just going repeatedly towards Jefferson Jefferson if 70 percent of his catches are a first down (laughs) throw the ball towards him there was no better play than that one uh there there, and and again in all the minutes of football through 17 weeks 18 weeks 17 games for every team, uh, that truly was the best play of the year. Yeah, the context of uh, game on the line, was it fourth and 18 or something crazy like that? And the throw, where the ball was, was, it it didn't wind up in a place where a receiver should have caught it. And he caught it because he's Justin Jefferson. Um, Just unreal, unbelievable play. Also, the context of in that game, it came right after – uh, Stephon Diggs had made a, a disgusting one-handed catch of his own uh, to get on all the highlights that should have been the talk of everybody after the game, except Justin Jefferson sort of one-ups one him, says, hold my beer, watch this, 
and makes that play uh, in between over defenders, it, it, the ball should not have been caught. Whatever the next-gen uh, percentages well, could have possibly be of, of the percentage, the likeliness of making that catch, it was very, very low. And, and Justin Jefferson made it, uh, again, with the context of he had to make that catch or else the game's over. Just no other option. He has to bring that in, and he brings it in. And uh, the Vikings go on to, to win one of their many uh, incredibly close games uh, and 100% put it on Justin Jefferson why they won that game, because if he doesn't make that catch, uh, they don't win it. Um, I, I don't have anything about that catch, but I will be revisiting the Vikings later on. As will I. All I'm right. Sure you, <laughs> worst I'm sure worst you will. play of – and again, worst play could take on all oh. sorts of meanings this year. Because a lot, of, were, lot of options, a lot of choices. There were plays. There were plays on the field. There were plays that affected things. It was insane. I mean, it was one hell of a crazy year for football. But to me, I mean, and you think of, I don't want to say it's a, an upset because I'm, I'm not going with the Demar Hamlin thing because that to me was not a a play, right? That was plays over, and, and then something happens, right? Like, yeah, that, that was a medical emergency. Know. We still don't know exactly what happened. There was a medical emergency. But I'm going to something similar. It, I'm going to our boy Tua repping for Coolio Ugh. against the Bengals back in a week four loss in a game he should not have been playing the week after the Buffalo game. And I almost gave – worst play of the year to him going back into that game just first snap <laughs> first snap after he bangs his head on the turf because his back hurt uh, whatever he was clearly concussed went back into a game he had no business going back into but then the next week he gets like kind of weirdly spun and and ragdolled to the turf and then bangs his head hard into the turf again and then proceeds to just look like he's laying on the ground throwing gang signs yeah and admitted that he was completely unconscious after the play, had no business being out there. Uh, that to me, and that that's the that's the pit in the stomach play because you know the Demar Hamlin thing was kind of a freak play. The Tua and what happened to Tua was completely preventable, and that's what makes it the worst. There, there was manipulation, lying, whatever you want to call it, all sorts of things. I I don't trust anything coming from the Dolphins. And any of their medical stuff, we've talked about it a lot on the show this year, but nothing in sort of encapsulated that more than that play uh, of him ragdolling onto the turf, getting spun around, and then kind of thrown onto the back of his head and just laying there unconscious on the ground with the with the hands up in the air because it must have been cold down on the field. <laughs> That's what Joe Buck says. <laughs> That's just what Joe Buck would have thought. Um, yeah. And all the way back to week four, but we don't forget. That to me was the worst play of the year. Uh, yeah, great call. Um, just nauseating uh, because, like you said, it, it was extremely preventable um, and foreseeable uh, for anyone who, uh, even in passing, studies what happens with concussions and, and second uh, impact. <clears throat> excuse me, second impact syndrome um, and why it's so dangerous. Like that, you, you're, you're inviting death basically when you send somebody out uh, so soon after having a concussion, but hey, if you just lie and say that uh, his back was hurt and that's why he was uh, staggering around, then you don't have to acknowledge that there was a first concussion, and the Dolphins never have officially acknowledged that there was a first concussion. 
Um, so I'll go ahead and, and give this award since we've covered so much of what was in the award. Um, I had the rub some dirt on an award uh, for the Miami Dolphins, who kept looking at their franchise quarterback, Tua Tagovailoa, get smashed around like a stock car and said, eh, he's fine. Our doctors cleared him, so he must be okay. Uh, he staggered because his back was hurt. That's why he was staggering. Um, it, it wasn't because of his back. Uh, and so when he gets knocked out in Cincinnati and, and throwing up gang signs, uh, Miami gets indignant about it, and Mike McDaniel pretends like they'd never send him back out if he actually was hurt. Uh, all right, that's when I lost respect for Mike McDaniel at that point because it's like yeah. clearly he's trying to protect the organization more so than the player. Uh, and th- that's when I just said, okay, I-, I see what's going on here. They're just trying to cover their own ass and-, and cover up the fact that they sent this guy out there who clearly didn't need to be sent back out there. So he comes back again by week seven, and he holds up for – most of the rest of the way, eventually get, he gets concussed again um, and has to sit out. Uh, he, he wasn't at the, the Pro Bowl games, I presume. I don't know because I didn't watch any of them. I watched zero. Of yeah. It. I mean, we both watched zero of it, but uh, um, he, he was a pro bowler, but he wasn't able to participate in the Pro Bowl games because of his th- second, third, fourth. I, we don't know how many concussions he's had because the Dolphins are lying. They're lying about everything. Uh, so, kid. Uh, you don't know me, but I got some free advice for you. Uh, stay, stay down. Stay down next time. You have to protect yourself, too, because uh, they're not going to protect you. The Dolphins are clearly not protecting you. The league is clearly not protecting you. Nobody, None of these independent doctors, uh, nobody that's in charge of protecting somebody who clearly doesn't need to be out on the field is protecting him. And it, it sucks to say because he played so well this year, but some yeah. people just aren't meant to be in those positions. Somebody whose brain gets bounced around that softly, that easily, you don't need to be playing pro football. I'm sorry. You just don't. Uh, no matter how good you are at football, he, he needs to, to step back and step down. And he's not going to do it. Clearly, he loves playing football more than anything, but uh, he needs to protect himself because the Dolphins aren't going to do it. Right. And the news blurb was yesterday or the day before, like, oh, hey, wow, great story. Tua has cleared the concussion protocol and he'll be ready for the 2023 season. I'm like, wait, wait, he just cleared. Right. It's the Super Bowl week <laughs> coming. He just cleared. The, okay. His team. What? That was like a month and a half ago. Right. The, the protocol oh from the yeah. third concussion that he suffered like in week 17 or something. <sighs> uh, and he just got clear from it. Um, right. Okay. That's uplifting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Y'all can call that good news if you want. I, I don't think so. Ah, rookie, rookie of the year. Uh, I, I looked at the stats a little bit more this year, and you know, and the grades, and that you know, that that, that talks to me. And for rookie of the year, and, and, and this was an interesting one because at all the positions, there was one rookie that dominated their category completely number one rated in their position as a rookie and it showed on the field. So it wasn't one of these where what what's on the paper, it's not the Trayvon Walker situation, right? Where, Oh, he, he's better on the field than he is on paper. No, no, this player was the best on paper at his position and on the field this year. Sauce Gardner, rookie of the year. Oh yeah. Uh, basically comes in as a rookie turns you know turns uh t- turns out another Revis Island situation with the Jets. I mean, they got themselves a good one 
that defense, no problems there. <laughs> we can talk about that offense. We have all day long. But no, no problems with that defense. He was locking people down, making big plays. And, uh, yes, he was the pro football focus number one graded cornerback. Um, and, and for a coverage grade, it wasn't even close. Graded out over 90 as a cover corner. Uh, nobody yeah. else in the league did that. Nobody else did that and was also the number one rated overall cornerback. Um, yeah, uh, he was him on defense this year, and he was, to me, the best rookie of the year. And the only thing I'll add is it's so great when somebody comes in with the with the kind of hype that he had for what he was capable of doing at that position and then actually live up to it. Like, Sauce was Sauce before he even got to the NFL. He had the, the Sauce necklace of the draft. He had everything going. Everybody, everybody was talking about how he's going to be a lockdown, shutdown corner. And he was. He was absolutely what everyone said he was going to be. Um, and I'm just very excited to to watch New York Jets uh, defense under Robert Tyler for the next decade because it looks like it's going to be a bitch. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, it's, uh, but they got to get that offense figured out. Yeah. That's, isn't that always the way? <laughs> how, how does this always ha- – you know, how many times are we going to see like this with the, with the Jags? with the Texans, you know, you think about these great defenses and then you just have the offense, you know, competency at all to, to win it and, and put it together. I mean, the, the only team I can think of lately, I'm not, I mean, the Ravens did it, but that was, that was because they didn't, they were barely competent when they won that Super Bowl with uh, Dilfer. Trent Dilfer. Yes. That 2000 Ravens team, because that was, that was you know, that and the 85 Bears, those are the best straight defensive teams I've ever seen. But the only team I can think of in more recent memory to do this was the Seahawks. Yeah, with were, were, uh, you, uh, were they actually, Richard uh, Sherman. Right, were the, Legion company. Of, the real Legion of Boom, not the Legion <laughs> right. of Room, but the Legion <laughs> of Boom with those guys. And then to have, you know, Russ and, you know, <laughs> Old Russ, not old, right. old Russ now. I meant previous Russ. And, you know, Lynch. Russ and, and Beast. Like, yeah. Beast mode. And then they actually had it all put together. That's the last time I can think of that sort of marriage of offense and defense. Even think about that Broncos defense that won the Super Bowl kind of in spite of Peyton Manning. With the with the crippled Peyton Manning on a yeah. walker uh, <laughs> throwing the football, yeah. So you just – it's so hard to get that, that marriage together where you have – punishing defense and a world-class offense at the same time. So It sounds easy to say, but all you need is a caretaker quarterback. You just need a, a quarterback yeah. that isn't going to actively hurt your team because that Jaguars team could have done so much if their quarterback wasn't Blake Bortles. Those Jets right. teams could have done so much if their quarterback wasn't Mark Sanchez. Like Those quarterbacks actively hurt those great defenses, and that was the difference. Just get a caretaker. I mean, who did, who is the – Texans quarterback that year that they like locking everybody was that Brock Osweiler. Oh Lord. I mean, they just couldn't figure it out that, you know, you think about all of these teams with these dominant defenses and they have no offense. And these are all the teams that would get up on the Patriots and then collapse in the second half. Mm-hmm. They, they, they paved the road for Tommy um, for a lot of years. <laughs> oh, oh, worst rookie. 
Worst Rookie of the Year. Man, this is I, I'm, I'm not kind with this award, but hey, over the last few years, worst rookies have turned it around in a big way. Last year, it was Trevor Lawrence, right? Yeah. And we said, like, you know, last year we were talking about Trevor Lawrence, like, tell me a Trevor Lawrence highlight. And we were like, uh, uh, um, this year, uh, yeah, he, he made it happen. He got that team all the way to the playoffs, and he had a great year. So worst rookie isn't the, the death knell, you know, that it used to be. I don't know about this one. Um, <laughs> worst rookie of the year, played in eight games. Uh, this is a quarterback. Eight games, barely north of a 50% completion percentage, which, is, again, was, was good in 1982. <laughs> 4.5 yards per attempt. Oh, no, this isn't my guy, is it? No touchdowns and three picks. How could you be worse than Malik Willis? Oh, poor guy. Man. That's, that, that's all sorts of awful at that position where you are so bad as the backup quarterback that they have no trust in you to go and win a winner take all game. They sign a dude off the street to play in that game over Malik Willis because he was so awful that they had no faith. And and it it showed those numbers sound Mm. ugly. The play matched it. (laughs) Yes, it did. 42.8 quarterback. The quarterback rating doesn't mean much in the middle numbers to me, but at the low end and at the high end, that's usually if you're over 100, but if you're at 42 for quarterback, oh my God. He only attempted 61 passes this year, still managed to take 10 sacks. Just just awful. Not not good. Um, I felt bad for the kid. He was clearly out of his league overmatched uh, once Ryan Tannehill went down that that whole season just evaporated into thin air for the Tennessee Titans and in, in a stretch where they just needed to win one game, one they, they game. couldn't, they couldn't come up with anything. Um, so I, I, I hate to pile on the kid, but this is, you know, this isn't a nice award. <laughs> this is worst rookie. I believe Willis was really bad. So this is my account uh, living here in Tennessee and and watching uh, Titans football. I was uh, excited to see him get into some games uh, because I'm over Ryan Tannehill as a starter. I don't think he's the the guy you want uh, back there to – I don't think he can win a title for you. I I didn't know what Malik Willis had to offer, but you, you don't know until he gets in there. So I was really excited when he was able to finally get the opportunity. Um, and there was one specific game where uh, he played against the Houston Texans and, and General Mills, who was my sort of darling quarterback from last year that I was happy to see get an opportunity this year. And so I was like, okay, let, let's see what both of these guys got. And let's say, that's one of the worst quarterback games I've ever seen, ever. Both of them were so bad. And I just was like, why are they even trying to, to – throw this kid out there and do anything because clearly he's not he's not ready he's just not ready you know not everybody not every quarterback that gets in there is ready uh for the for the position and ready for the responsibility Malik Willis wasn't ready it's it's just uh, you know it is what it is uh but he's if he's going to be the long-term answer he needs a lot of work and a lot of coaching because right now 
um, is, is bad. Now, like you said, it can turn around. Um, I, I don't know if he's got the, the physical ability of, of a Justin Fields, but Justin Fields also looked like completely not ready his first year when he got in there. And then you get some new coaching and you get some new philosophies and how to, to use him as a quarterback. And, oh, look at that. Pro Bowler, Justin Fields. Uh, I don't, did he make the Pro Bowl? I, don't, I didn't even pay attention. I don't know. Uh, but, no, but Tyler you know, Huntley did. It, with how many passing touchdowns? That's the that's the Joe that's the Joe Girardi uh, Pro Bowl. That's exactly what I was what I thought when I saw him too. <laughs> oh, this is it. We said it. <laughs> well, at least I didn't make an award out of it or something. But yeah, that, when the I Joe saw Girardi that, I was like, award. Yeah. <laughs> We've run out of every, we've run out of everybody else at your position. We called everyone. We have nobody left. Uh, can you come and play in the All Star game? Okay, I'll, I'll be there. Sure. But you know what? They could never take it away from Tyler Huntley. He's a Pro Bowler. And they and they can never take it away from All Star catcher Joe Girardi. Yeah, who was like the ninth alternate. <laughs> everybody else was on their vacations and on their yachts and in in, in Cabo. Yeah. Oh God, yeah, I, I thought the exact same thing. Anyway, uh, yes, Malik Willis was was bad and was not any good at all. The guy off the street, Josh Dobbs, to try to win the uh, the, the the win in your end playoff playing game against the Jaguars, and he almost won it. But he almost did. However, un, unimpressive uh, Josh Dobbs may have been. Everyone knows that Malik Willis would have been much worse in that position, and that's why they they made that move. So, oh, well earned, uh, worst rookie. But hey, you can turn it around. It's always next year. Uh, rookie steal of the draft. So this is going to go to the anti-Malik Willis. This is the mirror universe Malik Willis, or bizarro world Malik Willis, who in nine games completed 67% of his throws for an 8.1 yards per attempt with 13 touchdowns and four picks and a 107 quarterback rating. You know who it is. You can't be the oh, rookie yeah. steal of the draft if you are the last pick in the draft. <laughs> The only way we can get that award is if you are dead last, Mr. DFL, Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy. He deserves it. He he clearly was the rookie steal of the draft and one of the best stories of the year. Yeah, uh, like no was, words this, for how this great this award he was, was as a like rookie. made for him. <laughs> right, <laughs> and I've had this award for years. But nobody has earned this better than Brock Purdy. No, I dare say you're never going to find a lower drafted player be more valuable in his rookie year than, than Brock Purdy. No, no. And, and it was an amazing story. And yeah, it was the right situation. And, you know, playing for the mad genius does a lot of things, but he, he still had to make the plays. Malik Willis ain't making those plays. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no. So yeah, uh, that that was it was a great story. It, it ended just uh You talk uh, about that sick feeling, but but we'll talk about that next week. Um, yeah. This is all about the the totality of the season. We still have a whole recap of the conference championships to do, but that, it didn't end the way you would have liked it to. Um, you would have liked to have seen that at least been competitive, uh, but it, it was a great story right up until right up until the end. Um, and uh, Brock Purdy is going to make uh, things interesting for the Niners. 
Yeah, we're, we're, we're not going to talk about last week. We don't want to look about that. I'm not here to talk about the past. We're not going to worry about that. Uh, yeah, that is uh, an unbelievable story uh, for Brock Purdy. It is uh, going to put the 49ers on notice as far as what they thought their plans were at quarterback as opposed to what they're going to be going forward. Uh, I kind of wonder if they should put that much value in it. Like, I don't know if you want to – uh, make it out like this guy is the next Joe Montana because I think it's kind of obvious that Kyle Shanahan can kind of do that with anybody. So I, yes, you know, I don't, I don't know how much of that is the coaching and how much of that is, is Brock Purdy, but uh, kid, the kid did what you asked. The kid absolutely did whatever you needed him to do when he got in there um, and uh, took the team as far as he could possibly take him uh, before that, that gruesome injury last week. So yeah. yeah uh, kudos to Brock Purdy. Yeah, they're clearly going to let you – know, Jimmy G's a goner. So yeah. they go back to Trey Lance, let's say, and Brock Purdy's the backup. Boy, what what's that leash look like on Trey Lance? Mm. You know, probably, just, probably extremely short. Yeah, you don't want to be the guy in front of Brock Purdy after what he just did um, over this nine-game stretch, um, winning every game he started, I believe. That's right. As in the regular season, just just incredible. So uh, that, however, did not make my story of the year. It was a great story, but we've already kind of talked about my story of the year. I'm 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 giving this one to the. This is, I didn't mean to, uh, you know, make a joke here, but I kind of did. Uh, I'm giving this one to what I call the player safety twins. <laughs> it's Tua and Demar. How is that not Dory of the Year? The, the the saga of Tua with the concussions and then all of that going on, and then you have the DeMar Hamlin, you know, emergency, collapses on the field, get, you know, everything around that, just, the, the, you know, DeMar Strong and, and everything that was just crazy all the way up and through the end of that Bills run. Um and then you, and, and as that's going, you still have this Tua saga with the concussions. And is he going to play? Is he not going to play? Oh, he hasn't cleared the protocol. Oh, it's going to be Skylar Thompson and, and that whole sort of disingenuousness of the Miami Dolphins. But, yes, the player safety twins, that's my story of the year. Uh, definitely no arguing with that. I would even uh, broaden it and say just player safety and, and player injuries – seem to be the story of the year. I don't remember a year seeing this many catastrophic injuries. There were more concussions. It yeah. seemed to be more concussions this year than ever before. And then the numbers came out and backed it up. There were like 20% more concussions this year than, than, uh, than last year. Um, and, and then that's on top of the, uh, the Mar Hamlin uh, medical emergency, which uh, took, you know, the entire football world uh, by storm and, and, made it hold its breath for a week um, and, and absolutely was uh, was the story for, for several weeks in the NFL. Um, yeah, I, I guess just the um, the danger of football, which is always hanging over your head when you're playing and, and us as, as spectators when we're watching, we put it aside to enjoy the spectacle, but then you get a, a hit that uh, – has a guy throwing up gang signs in the middle of the field and you have another hit that makes a guy's heart stop. And it's like, 
you can't you can't avoid it. You can't ignore how dangerous this, this game is, and it was uh, at the forefront for for all of us watching this year. And then juxtapose that sort of with Lamar Jackson doing what he can to sort of preserve himself yep. from all of this uh, disaster and catastrophe, so that he can get his his paper and get uh, some long term security. Um, and it, it makes you kind of understand, like, yeah, I I, I think I want to preserve myself and and keep things as, as safe as I possibly could as well, because uh, you see what can happen out here, you know, one wrong hit and, and everything can change for you just like that. I think we always knew that, but this year it really uh, uh, hit home and put it even closer uh, to, to home for all of us. Yeah. And it's, you know, in a, in a year that you could have had a lot of different stories. Well, and again, with the concussions, 20% increase, I, I don't honestly believe that there were 20% more concussions. They caught. But there was twenty percent more reported or, or yes, caught. They, yes, they admitted to two twenty percent more concussions. Uh, you know, with, with with all the rules, with the with the spotting in from the sideline. Hell, you even had uh, I forget who the player was. You had the, the the receiver pointing at the other player on his team, like, no, the dude's concussed. Stop the game. How do you have independent spotters when you got a guy standing there that can't stand up yeah. and then line up for the next play because he's wobbling? He's wobbling because that's how messed up he is. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, what is the have, point of the independent spotters? And his teammate has to basically, uh, you know, like, hey, y'all, y'all want to get my like man? Be waving, like waving, like looking around, over? like pointing at the guy, like, no, 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 he he ain't right. Stop the game. Yeah. Okay, so ah, moving on. My Jimmy G team. That would be the Houston Texans. Memorial preseason cheek pick to make the next playoffs. Uh, this one for me was easy. I'm giving this one to the Detroit Lions. Uh, yep. That that you know and I know they are going to be uh, darlings next year. They're going to be the well. What about team? You know what about the Detroit Lions? You know they're going to be that team after the way they finished, the way they ended the Packers, the way they finished so strong, running off all those wins late, kind of figuring things out, the defense, the offense. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of people who are going to be on the Detroit lions next year. Is that kind of cool pick playoffs? Uh, I'm calling it now. That's one of the easier calls you've ever had that everyone is going to be like, I, the team that I think that didn't make the playoffs last year that I think is going to make it this year. I think I'm going to go with the team up at Motown. I think I'm going to go with yep. every single person is going to be saying that. Hell, that might uh, even for, be us. <laughs> yes, it very well. And, maybe. And maybe they've earned it, but yeah, for good reason. Everybody loves that team that gets hot late. They always discount the bad start. Because all we it's recency bias, we only remember the great last finish. That's right, and this team more than than any other because they got the the coach that's always emotional and grindy yep. out there in front of the camera, and uh, they they got the, the ankle biting team. So yeah, they're definitely going to be the sheep pick for for everyone next year. And the final thing you saw of them was them eliminating the Green Bay Packers. That's right. That was the last thing everyone saw for the regular season. Was the way they last, handled the last pack. thing that the Lions put on film was that and, and 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 showing up in a big spot for them, even though they had just been eliminated from the playoffs. So look for that next year. Uh, it happened this year, but it feels like a long time ago. And I hate to pile on your uh, hometown team down there twice, but man, do you remember back when the Tennessee Titans were just coasting to a division title? <laughs> Oh, those those halcyon days. 
they had that thing on cruise control right to the finish line and then proceeded to lose their last seven games. Uh, that, that is uh, falling off the rails. If I, if I ever heard of one that, that definitely deserves the, uh, the off the rails. up right in front of everybody that's okay because malik willis he, he oh. was there he, he, was, <laughs> he was there all right he took the controls and he just rode that thing right off the bridge oh yeah uh. that, that does seem like a long time ago so the Metheridge pr award <laughs> our, one of our one of our favorite awards that we give out here for for something stupid in the in the that a team either does or something stupid in the in the public relations uh, avenue. This one to me is really funny because we don't actually know who did this, but what we do know is a team that is notorious for doing really silly things. They did a lot of silly things this year. You pointed it out a lot. So we don't actually know who the person is who either designed or suggested, created, or then uh, ultimately merchandised this item. But we're going all the way back to week one and the Washington Commanders who somehow decided to sell from their official merchandise van a a mug, a coffee mug that had the Washington Commander's logo over the state of Washington. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) (laughs) And the, the team tried to downplay it by saying, no, 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 no. No, it was it wasn't in the stadium. It was outside. It was outside. So it it's not official. And and then of course pictures of the merchandise and of the van that it was being sold of showed that it was being sold by the official team oh. merchandise truck right outside the stadium. I, I if you haven't seen pictures of this, it's the the W. It's the Washington Commanders W imposed over the state. <laughs> Of Washington, not Washington D.C., Washington, Washington. <laughs> and I don't know who designed it. I, I don't know who all. So it's so hard to give this from a relation standpoint. But just the fact that that made it through all the checks to be sold to the public deserves an award. And there it is. If you haven't <laughs> seen it, look it up. The Washington. Commander's Washington mug. It will take you about three. I saw this right back at the beginning of the year. We never talked about it. But Tin Commander's or Washington State Commander's mug. And it is plain as day. There's the coffee mug with the W over the state of Washington. It was confirmed by news stations. People actually bought this thing. Ugh. How? How does that exist? What the hell's going on out here? Number one, if I asked you which organization is more likely to sell their logo on the entire wrong region of the country, 
would this not be the organization? This is the organization. I mean, this this jumps over the wireframe Sean Taylor ghost (laughs) thing. I mean, you think about this this whole team should just get the award. This should be an achievement award for the whole season for the public relations of the Washington football team, the Washington Commanders, the Washington Washingtons, whatever the hell you want to call them. But that, to me, is them in a nutshell right there. And number two, I have an award in which I attempt to encapsulate everything about that franchise, and I forgot about that. I barely remember it happening. It did happen. I do remember it. But I don't even have that in my in my wrap up of them because there's so many things. There's so is, many things. That's just that's just so perfect though. That's just Chef's kiss when you see your team's logo on the state of Washington, even though you play in Washington D.C. Any organization that would would do something like that—that's the organization. Not just in football, but in all yeah. the sports. Ah, <sighs> so did you want to give that award, or shall I go on? I've got three left. Go ahead, uh, finish it All up. Right. Game of the year. Best game, not worst. Don't worry, we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, best game of the year, bet, you know, you know how many people are going to want to give this to either Bills Vikings or Vikings Colts. I'm not giving it <laughs> to either one of those games because those were just massive comebacks. In a season where big leads meant absolutely nothing, I want the best game to be the best game, a game with stakes, a game that you think is going to have meaning. It had meaning at the time it was played. It ended up not having meaning in the long run. But I'm going all the way back to week six, Bills 24, Chiefs 20, the the Bills going to Arrowhead to avenge that loss to Patrick Mahomes. You knew they needed it. They they needed this fight. They they needed to beat the Chiefs so they could eventually get the home field. They didn't. It ended up not happening. This whole DeMar, the, the DeMar Hamlin thing happened. The coin toss thing happened. The neutral site. All of that. But at the time, you sort of needed that moment. And that was both of those teams coming up in big ways. Allen and Mahomes both making the big plays. That was the best game of the year. It was. I What I remember about that game, uh, not looking back at my notes, was how uh, tough it was played by both teams. Like, it wasn't pretty, yes. but no. it was great because, because you could tell, well, there's a lot of games that, you know, with scores like that where, oh, what a great throw and what a great catch and just flowery offense back and forth. And it, this wasn't that. This was two teams that were trying to grind this game out, and they were you could just tell how bad each team wanted to win this game and the bills just wanted it just a little bit more. And, and for the reasons that you mentioned that they needed to uh, not just avenge uh, the loss last year in the playoffs, but to try to set it up to where they don't have to come back there uh, for the playoffs uh, and win the number one overall seed for the, uh, for the conference. And they, they knew that was the, that was the mission. They, that's what they set out to do and they did it. And the chiefs did all they could to prevent it from happening. Yeah, it was great. It was it was it wasn't perfect, and that's sort of what made it perfect in a weird way. Was that it wasn't perfect, it wasn't beautiful. It was just we need this win, and the other team yeah. we need this win, and they both went out there and busted heads and tried to get that W. Um, and and it, it was great football. I don't know if the players could hold up. We talk about uh, health and safety and how uh, how hard it was to watch some of these injuries this year. I don't know if players could hold up for 
17 games, 14 games, or any games, if they all played it like that, if they all played with that kind of intensity and the way that they played that game. But for, for that one game, uh, to have that kind of intensity and to watch those two teams that clearly wanted it, uh, it was great. It was, it was, it was the, the hype was off the page for that game, um, and it lived up to the hype. Again, not because it was great football or just incredibly beautiful, but because you could really tell how bad both teams wanted it. That's what made it great. Yeah, and you don't get many games in week six that play like a playoff football game, you know, where it had the stakes, it had the tension, like it really felt like you were watching, you knew you were watching the two best teams in the conference playing with real stakes. I know it's so easy, but we were talking about that back at the time, but it's always easy to be like, well, you know, an injury could happen. But no, at, at the time, the meaning of that game, and it still ended up being a meaningful game. Uh, the Chiefs ended up getting that home field, which they needed. Um, to me, was that to me was the best game. Yeah, definitely. No, no argument here. Worst game of the year. <laughs> this one was equally How do you easy. <laughs> This one, no, 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 no. Worst game of the year. I'm going back to week five, kicking off the week, Thursday night football, Colts 12, Broncos 9, <laughs> in overtime. That's the that, that's the Nathaniel Hackett needs to be fired, the horrible play calling, the, the, the going, for, uh, going for touchdowns when they only needed field goals. Like, every, that the, the the fans walking out. <laughs> yeah, that's yep. the game that the fans walked out of because <laughs> the Broncos, who physically dominated the Colts for that whole game, lost a game that they entirely should have won. They played stupid. They coached stupid. That defense was was world class, and and again, torpedoed by that quarterback and sabotaged by their coach. And that was just a bad – it's just a hard game to watch. You talked about that Titans-Texans game, right? Some of the worst oh. quarterback play you've ever seen. But I never saw a game where the home fans walked <laughs> out when the game was still in doubt because that they was, were so disgusted. <laughs> they were so disgusted with the coaching and the quarterbacking and the offense of that team that they had seen enough. That's some smart fans right there. Like, <laughs> screw you guys. I'm going home. You know, we, I, I don't need any free football. Free? Nope. I'm leaving. That to me, worst game of the year. One of the worst games I've Screw ever seen. Screw you guys! I'm going home. <laughs> I don't. We don't know how many times it's happened because they don't normally mm. put the the cameras on the crowd when overtime hits. But for some reason, uh, the producer of that game decided, hey. Uh, we need to look at the stands right now because these people are are done. They're they're through with this shit. They're leaving. <laughs> so I don't I don't know how many times that's happened, but in this one uh, it happened and it was justified. It was, it was some very ugly football. Uh, I still think it's a very tough choice for worst game of the year. Like I said, that Texans uh, uh, Titans game. Uh, yeah. Anything anything involving Jeff Saturday is is a candidate. <laughs> uh, that but... was fun. <laughs> That's fun, bad. <laughs> yeah, man. How great is this? <laughs> Which is shocking because in my framework, I don't have an award for Jeff Saturday. So I hope you do. <laughs> no, don't worry. I, I got you. Thank you. <laughs> but that to me was the worst game of the year. That's the one that stood out to me. 
It wasn't the non-game game, the game that was never played, um, any of the Jeff Saturday shenanigans, because that was just that, that was more humorous than it was just bad. It was also bad. That ga- this game was bad. <laughs> There's no was. redeeming qualities about that game at all. Decision making, play, everything about it was just god awful, and uh, that to me was definitely that. That didn't take more than ten seconds to be like, nope, that's the worst <laughs> game of the year. That, that one, that one's once it happened, it set the bar so high, nothing else jumped over it. Sometimes that's just the way it goes. Uh, the Grammy for acting. <laughs> yeah, the Antonio Brown Award, Antonio Brown's Grammy. Basically, fake it, the fake it till you make it award. Who 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 was who did the best acting job this year? That's the Minnesota Vikings. I'm giving it to the whole <laughs> damn team. The Minnesota Vikings put on. They get the Grammy for making people really believe and think that that team, that 13 and 4 team with the negative point differential, could amount to something. They, they deserve it. That that get the whole team up on stage. And 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 hand pass that Grammy around, and everybody can hold it up in the air because nobody acted like contenders more than those big frauds, the Minnesota Vikings. They get the whole team gets the award. And yeah, the Grammys on right now, don't they? I think I think you're right. Maybe uh, Antonio Brown is there, uh, ready to, to hand out the Grammy <laughs> to the Vikings. I got them covered too. I, I can't even remember which award, but I I, I got the Vikings covered. Okay. I got a lot of things covered. I'm done. That's my. That's oh, always okay. my final award. So, uh, you know, we got got you left. You usually end up leaving you about 45 minutes. So you've got mm-hmm. about 45 minutes left to, to to bounce off some of yours. And I know you've got your the ones that you always have that are the set ones. And I'm sure you've got some ones that you just had to sneak in because of all the awfulness and, and goodness sometimes that we had this year. So I now turn the floor over to you, and I will comment as I need to. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, always uh, fun to listen to Jay's awards um, for the first half of the show, and I'll take over for uh, for the last half. Um, I, I do have the Vikings somewhere. I'm trying to figure out where, but I, I, I got this stuff sort of numbered. I'm trying to uh, follow along. I always uh, wind up stumbling and bumbling and messing up, but I, I get through it eventually, uh, and hopefully it'll be uh, entertaining for those of you uh, who are still listening. I get started with my uh, handful of awards that uh, uh, set awards that I give out every year. Um, I covered the shit and the drizzling shits. I have coach of the year awards. I do it. Uh, I do everything a little differently, but I do coach the year a little differently. I believe Super Bowl winning coaches should be held to a higher standard. So I have four coach awards. I have coach of the year for Super Bowl winning coaches and Coach of the Year for non-Super Bowl winning coaches, and then I have Worst Coach of the Year for Super Bowl winning coaches and non-Super Bowl winning coaches. My Coach of the Year in the non-Super Bowl winning category, to no one's surprise, because everyone knows the man love that I have for him, for the second year in a row, my Coach of the Year in the non-Super Bowl category is Kyle Shanahan of the San Francisco 49ers. And anyone who has a problem with that, I just want to say, Take whoever your favorite coach is and hand them their third string starting quarterback and tell me if they make it to their conference championship game. Because I'm going to say win, no. And, and, and win seven games in a row. And runs off an undefeated streak to end the regular season with that third string quarterback. Yes. Who else is going to do that? 
I don't think anyone else is going to do that. Only Kyle Shanahan uh, with his scheming, with his coaching, um, and also with his talent around him. I don't want to uh, sugarcoat it. He's doing a hell of a job with Debo Samuel, uh, Brandon Ayuk. Uh, they bring in this Christian McCaffrey guy of running back. He's pretty good. So that helps out a lot as well, having that talent. But there's plenty of coaches that have had really good talent on their side and haven't done what they've done, uh, what Kyle Shanahan has done with this team with Brock Purdy. And before that, last year with Jimmy Garoppolo. Let's not forget that he was doing great things with Jimmy Garoppolo, including being uh, in the lead in a Super Bowl with 10 minutes to go um, with, with uh, Kyle, with, with Jimmy Garoppolo as quarterback. That's no small feat either. I, I don't want uh, I don't want that to get overshadowed. But uh, this is all about this year. Coach of the year for this year, again, is Kyle Shanahan. I just don't see anyone else doing more with less uh, than Kyle Shanahan when you talk about the quarterback position. I don't see Brock Purdy being a great quarterback anywhere else, and I don't see Jimmy Garoppolo being a great quarterback anywhere else, but only here under Kyle Shanahan. Uh, so that's my coach of the year for the second year in a row. My coach of the year amongst all Super Bowl winning quarterbacks you know, there's three teams uh, before the year began, before the season began, that decided for whatever their reasons to deal their number one Pro Bowl caliber all-world wide receivers. The Green Bay Packers did that. They didn't make the playoffs. The Tennessee Titans did that. They didn't make the playoffs. The Kansas City Chiefs did that, and they have the number one passing game in the league, and oh, by the way, they're in the Super Bowl. So my coach of the year amongst all Super Bowl winning quarterbacks is Andy Reid with the Kansas City Chiefs, who was in position to win another Super Bowl uh, if he can beat the Philadelphia Eagles next Sunday. Uh, so we'll know at this time, next Sunday night, uh, if Andy Reid will have his second uh, Super Bowl championship. But number, I, I can't, I still can't kind of believe that number one passing game in the league. I, Patrick Mahomes is, is awesome. He's one of the greatest of all time. But that's coaching, too. That's not just Pat Mahomes deciding to make these, these mishmash of receivers and, and surrounding Travis Kelsey into the number one passing game in the league after you deal Tyreek Hill. Uh, that's that's also coaching. That's Andy Reid. That's Eric Bieniemy. That's the entire offensive staff. Uh, and that Buffalo game that we just mentioned, they survived that. They lost that game of the year to the Buffalo Bills. They could have went in the tank. They could have said, okay, we – got beat. Now the Bills have the, the upper hand for home field throughout the playoffs. Let's just kind of take it slow from here and, and hopefully we can just win our division and, and sneak into the playoffs and, and host a wild card weekend. Nope, they kept fighting. They kept grinding away and made themselves, again, the number one passing offense in the entire NFL after trading one of the great wide receivers in the league, Tyreek Hill. After that. I, I, I still don't know how the hell they did that. So my coach of the year among Super Bowl winning quarterbacks, Andy Reid, incredible job uh, in Kansas City. Yeah, especially the, way that, especially the way that you highlight it, because they really just slapped that offense together every week. You talk, I mean, we talk about fantasy, but boy, that team was fantasy, like just poison this whole season, because every Travis week. Travis Kelsey was, and guys. Yeah, it, every week it was somebody else. Who's it going to be? Is it going to be McKinnon? Is it going to be Pacheco? Is it going to be MVS? It, 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 is it going to be Juju? Juju? Is this the Juju week? Who's it going to yep. be? You know, they just keep – Justin Watson's going to have a game, you know? <laughs> Who? Just, 
three. Yeah, Noah Gray. They're just gonna everybody contributed. Everybody made plays. And like when you talk about these other teams, like we, this is what we thought. I, well, this was not we, but this is what I thought Aaron Rodgers could do. Like, hey, you can take away that guy because he's just gonna make everybody better. It didn't happen. Mm. Uh, not if you're a weirdo and you don't trust anybody yeah. on your team. Uh, but but Mahomes yeah. is not uh, in that category. Yeah, uh, it also helps that Mahomes is you know 27 and <laughs> <laughs> athletic, and you know and Rodgers is basically just cash and retirement checks at this point. Uh, so my worst coach of the year amongst the non-Super Bowl winning coaches. Who boy. You got some contenders <laughs> for this one. Uh, <laughs> so you correctly looked at how terrible it was going uh, in the uh, in the Rocky Mountains. And you said this guy was so bad, they're going to yeah. have to get rid of him before the season's over. And I was like, really? He's that, he's that bad? Yeah. He was that bad. Um, so everything was going terrible in Denver right off the bat. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett showing a breathtaking uh, ability to screw up the simplest things and apparently just completely over his head, over his skis. Uh, everything about his, his coaching made it seem like he didn't know what he was doing. He had to bring in specialists uh, to help him out. Uh, it seemed like every week there was a new guy uh, added to the coaching staff to to help him with the simplest of tasks, and finally the uh, Broncos had to call it a day and, and fire it. The, the the standard for that being set last year with Urban Meyer, like to be on that level that an organization admits before your first season is even over, like this isn't working and you have to leave. This is terrible uh, that they did that. They absolutely – um, had to make that call and get Nathaniel Hackett out of there before his first season was even over. And then the Indianapolis Colts have to get rid of their coach, and they didn't have to, but they decided to, no. yeah. uh, to, to get rid of Frank Reich. And Jim Irsay decides to replace him with Jeff Saturday, whose coaching experience consisted of high school football. Uh it, it, to say it didn't go well would, would be an understatement. He won his first game out of the box and lost every game after that in worse and worse fashion, in more incredible fashion. Uh, the man managed to have twin 33-point embarrassments. He uh, had a quarter where he his team gave up 33 points to the Dallas Cowboys and lost a game that they were contending in the fourth quarter and got completely blown out by the end because whatever a coach is supposed to do to stop a, a, a snowball from rolling downhill and becoming an avalanche, Jeff Saturday didn't know how to do that. And if you thought that was a fluke, he came back, uh, went up to Minnesota and showed once again, he has no idea how to stop a snowball from becoming an avalanche. And a 33-point lead in that one, 33 to nothing, and you lose. How do you lose the game you're leading 33 to nothing? I couldn't determine between those two terrible coaching jobs. My worst coach of the year out of non-Super Bowl winning coaches is a tie. It's Nathaniel Hackett and it's Jeff Saturday. They were both awful. Yeah, I mean, I was on the Hackett thing, I think, after like week two. It was so bad. And then (laughs) that game I just talked about, that week five Thursday night game, was sort of like that was when I went full anti, like, this guy's got to go. This thing is terrible. Fire him right now. I've seen enough. And every week it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. 
But he was hired on merit, and he was fired on merit, and that's what makes it shocking because you think about these these first-year coaches that get the boot or first-year coaches team like Bobby Petrino did, um, you know, or what Urban Meyer had happened where, you know, his owner tells him he's got to be a better human being. No, Nathaniel Hackett just got fired in his for, for just being bad at coaching. He wasn't a bad guy. He wasn't feeling up co-eds. He wasn't doing any of that stuff. He was just awful at coaching, head coaching, professional football, and got himself fired at the not even before the end of his first full year. But just Saturday, he just he'd probably be excited about man. I'm just so <laughs> blessed to get this award and to be recognized for everything I contributed. Man, how about that? Those, those that comeback, man, was that great? Oh, I'm gonna miss Jeff Saturday. We might not have a chance to miss him. Jim Irsay is a fucking moron. He might bring no, him it back. It could happen. It could happen. After seeing that performance, he might hire him as his he full-time may. permanent coach. He might want the number one pick in the draft next year. <laughs> that'd be a, that'd be a good way to get it. Yes. Uh, my no. my worst coach. My my worst coach of the year amongst Super Bowl winning coaches, uh, the goat, Bill Bill Belichick. Mm. What did you think was going to happen? assigning Matt Patricia as that with a pencil behind his ear as the offensive coordinator, a de facto offensive. What did you think was going to work out? Mac Jones wanted to strangle Matt Patricia before the season ended. He was so angry at the lack of coaching that he was getting on that sideline uh, from Matt Patricia. Uh, whatever progress that, that Mac Jones may have made in his rookie year last year, uh, it went away this year. He regressed big time. Um, and you have to think it's because of the lack of coaching. And you can't put that at anyone's feet but Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is the man who made that decision uh, to bring his, his buddy back uh, after he flamed out as the coach of the Lions. Uh, and bring him back on your coaching staff, that's completely understandable. Bringing him back and assigning him to basically be the offensive coordinator and play caller, like what? And he's, and he's got no experience at doing that? That's, that's some arrogance. I can't uh, – I don't want to – crash on the goat because he's the goat coach but that's just arrogant to say that i'm going to bring back matt patricia and he's going to run the offense because i decided that he's going to do that because i think he's good enough to do that no he's not and everyone knew he wasn't and everyone saw it in preseason that it was going to be a disaster and it was indeed a disaster um and it, and it ruined really a decent effort by the patriots defense and they could have snuck into the playoffs with some some offensive output but uh, not yeah. with Matt Patricia running things. So that's, unfortunately, my worst coach amongst the uh, Super Bowl winning coaches. Yeah, you, you, Bill Belichick's clearly, he's got his guys, and he's very loyal to his guys, and he, he's always been bringing, he's brought these guys back, and, you know, he, he brought back McDaniels after that whole thing failed, and he's brought back Patricia after he was, you know, ass clown with the Lions, and, you know, I'll give that to him. But, yeah, he's putting people in positions that they shouldn't be. And uh, maybe he's believing his own press because he's the GOAT coach. I'm not going to take that away from him. But, um, yeah, it's a different story these last – not to say a couple seasons because last year I'd say he did an all right job. But this Matt Patricia thing doesn't work, and that's all on Belichick. That's right. Loyalty, uh, you can be loyal to a fault sometimes. Yes. My heckle and jide award, um, and I know I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, but I do it on purpose uh, in, in honor of Dan Hampton. 
uh, goes to the player or team that drives me the most crazy with their inconsistency uh, throughout the season. And for me this year, your boy Matty Ice in uh, Indianapolis, mm. I, I understand how terrible he was. He got himself benched several times. In between getting benched, he had four different games with over 100 passer rating. And he had three 300-yard games. That guy, yeah. the same guy that was so bad, he found himself benched twice uh, in Indianapolis by two different coaches. Um, and he earned getting benched because he was te- when he was bad, he was terrible. But when he was good, he was pretty damn good. It's like, what What do we got here? What is he going to revert back to being the old Matt Ryan? Is he still got something in him, or is he completely finished? He, he, he looked completely finished at times, and he also looked like he had something left at times. There was no in-between – uh, with Matt Ryan this year, and it drove me insane because I just it, it, it was already tough trying to pick Colts games uh, anyway with uh, their their top running back being in and out of the lineup and and ultimately having to sit the rest of the year. Uh, but the uh, inconsistency at quarterback did not help things at all. And then add on top of that, the worst coach tied for the worst coach of the year in Jeff Saturday that didn't make things any better. But Matty Ice, uh, heckling Jide, are, are you are you still you got something or you don't? We we don't know. I still don't know, and I don't know how much of that was the coaching or the situation. Yeah, there's a, it obviously doesn't hurt, help having Taylor gone. There's, there are good receivers. There's some talent at the wide receiver position, good tight ends on that team, typically usually a good offensive line, although it doesn't matter how good your offensive line is because Matt Ryan will always take <laughs> a sack on every crucial third down. He, He's the turtle. He's the human turtle. That's all he's ever going to do, and he's always been that way. I'll, for my my uh, remembrance of uh, Matt Ryan this season was when he ripped off that huge run against the Raiders, and and, the, and that was like the moment when the Raiders quit <laughs> because he's running faster than the DBs that are trying to catch him, and this is like old man Matt Ryan. Like you could just see yeah. the quit. You could see the moment that the Raiders quit. <laughs> When they're letting Matt Ryan run past them, like, no, oh, man, he's not going to go. Well, oh, oh, he's going. Oh, let me lightly jog after him. Um, that, that's the only play I really remember from this season for Matt Ryan because it was so funny because I was I was watching a – and that was the one game Jeff Saturday won. That was it. Yeah, we don't want to be uh, uh, prejudiced or racially insensitive, but uh, let's, we, we also want to keep it real here. Under no circumstance should Matt Ryan be running past twenty-something-year-old black cornerbacks in the NFL. That that just should never happen. No, and it happened. It did. I remember we gave. I think we gave that an award. Uh, one of us did. <laughs> Very well, may have. Uh, my Carrie Krieger Memorial Heartbreak Award, named after the woman who broke my heart. Oh, twenty-something years ago now. Uh, you would think it would. I think I always wind up giving it to the team that I picked to win the Super Bowl the year, you know, before the season begins, and then they don't oh, win sure. it. Oh, uh, sure. So it would be very easy for me to give it to the Baltimore Ravens. I'm, I'm going to give them a pass. I think uh, some more bad injury luck. You know, their quarterback. You don't know what the what you know where his head is or where his body is. Yeah. I'm going to give it to the team that you picked to win the Super Bowl that that broke your heart, the, the Buffalo Bills. It felt yeah. like everybody thought that this was their year. It felt like. This is it, that everything is leading towards this season being it. Uh, the big win in Kansas City, once again, we bring up the game of the year where it seemed like they sort of took that next step to announce themselves as the, the team to beat. Um, and it, it just doesn't work out for them. Uh, it, you know, they had me convinced uh, after that game that they were the team, that they were the best team in the league. 
Um, and then the, uh, the, the, the Mar Hamlin thing happened. They had me convinced there that it was their time because I thought they were going to have this emotional boost now of they get him back in the stadium, they get him back, uh, you know, after he started recovering and started feeling better, they, uh, I knew they were going to get him back in the stadium at some point. I just didn't know which game it was going to be, and it wound up being the uh, the Bengals game uh, in the snowstorm. And I just thought, this is the this is the moment. This is the perfect moment. You got the weather. You got the fans going crazy. You got Demar up there throwing up the heart sign. You got his family in the booth and everything. And the, the Bills just did not they didn't match the moment. They didn't answer uh, the situation that was kind of set up perfectly for them. Uh, and again, looking back in hindsight, maybe it was a little too much. Maybe they, it was uh, asking too much to ask that team to come back from the emotional boost of seeing DeMar Hamlin finally make it back and then turn around and, and take out the, the Bengals and do uh, what they had to do uh, and be aggressive. They, they didn't seem like the aggressor in that game. They didn't seem like they had the, the same juice and the same gusto that the Bengals did. The Bengals took it to the Bills, and the Bills – uh, just they, they didn't have the answer. Their reservoir was empty at that point. So uh, they, they broke their fans' hearts. They broke your hearts, and they, they kind of broke my heart because I thought they it was set up for them. I thought everything was, was laid out for them to perfectly uh, go on through and do what they had to do and win the title this year. And maybe they recover and put it all together next year, but uh, you know I don't know how many years they're going to have uh, their, their window open. They're, they're not an old team, but they're not young either. So uh, Buffalo Bills, uh, when are you going to do it? When are you going to put it all together? We're we're all waiting for you. Yeah, the, you'd like to see them. I mean, I'd love to see them at least get to one here. Get get there. Right. Because it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good team and it's a fun team and you know Josh Allen, great quarterback, had had a really rough second half, being really loose with the football, and yeah, they ran they ran into a, a hungrier, nastier team than them in the playoffs and Cincinnati. Uh, Man, nobody's gonna want to be running into Cincinnati in the playoffs in these years coming. Because even if you even if you win, you're gonna earn it. It's uh, it's it looks like it's setting up to be about four or five, six years of Bills and Chiefs and Bengals just kind of punching each other in the nuts over and over yeah. again to see who's gonna come out of the AFC. So uh, it's compelling. Uh, certainly uh, gonna be interesting to see which one of those teams uh, goes all the way and, and wins the title. It might be the Chiefs uh, once again this year. Uh, name of the year, I don't give this away every year, but if a name comes along, a new name comes in the league that I think is worthy of a name of the year award, I'll give out the award and got to go with Dicker the kicker. Cameron Dicker, the place kicker for the uh, LA Chargers. Uh, just the perfect name, man. D- D- Dicker the kicker. Just get out there and do your thing because you're Dicker the kicker. You're 95% uh, field goals this year led all kickers, so he, he earned the name, he earned the nickname, and he earned his spot on the team. Um, and I like it because I imagine he probably gets a lot of ladies with that name. Just hey, I'm Dicker the Kicker. Let me take you back and show you why they call me Dicker the Kicker. So I, I like Dicker. The name. <laughs> I hardly know her. <laughs> yeah, I should have should have anticipated you going there. Um, but then he misses the one he needed the most. <laughs> oh yeah, well, he wasn't perfect, unfortunately, but uh, but he was he was pretty damn good. So good on Digger the kicker. We'll see how much of a future he has uh, in the league. Uh, from there, we start to get into some of my uh, awards that are specifically for this year. The ultimate 
Lifetime Love of the Game Award can't be anyone other than Tom Brady. Man, he's got to love the game. He's no one could possibly love it. Think about all the legends of football, the, the Jim Brown, Walter Payton, uh, Rice, Montana, Peyton Manning, Dion, just Elway, name them all. Nobody, none of those people ever have looked a supermodel in the face and said, go to hell. I heart football more than you do. None of them ever did that. Only Tom Brady looked a supermodel in the face and said, nah, I'm going to keep playing. We remember when the uh, the rumors started coming out that uh, Giselle had given him an ultimatum and said, okay, there's enough football. You got to retire now or else I'm getting a divorce. And it didn't take him long to, to answer that ultimatum because about five and a half minutes after we saw uh, the rumors about Giselle uh, putting out that ultimatum, we saw the uh, the news being put across that Giselle was getting a divorce was, was <laughs> and started the proceedings uh, to get the divorce. So yeah. Brady gave her, gave her his answer. Nobody loves football more than Tom Brady. And he did all that for the privilege to lose 31-14 to the Dallas Cowboys in a wild card round. Yeah. So if that's what you wanted out of life, then you, you got it, my friend. But uh, congratulations, I, I guess. And what was even better was after, I think, the game after it was announced that they were getting divorced, you know, they get blowed out by the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> yes. Uh, you gave it up for <laughs> this. I know I gave an award that week. You gave up a, a supermodel to go get your ass busted in Charlotte, North Carolina by the Carolina Panthers. That's what you want. Oh, okay. Well, he says he's oh. gone this time. Uh, sure, sure. Announcing his retirement on the exact same date that he announced it last year. If you really are done, don't you wait to choose a different date than the exact same date that you did yeah. this last year? Like, don't you want to get that some separation? I don't. I don't know. So that's why I tweeted out that he should be doing this every year on April first. Haha! <laughs> <laughs> I'm retired again. Haha! <laughs> See if you believe me now. Uh, we'll, we'll all find out uh, week one. That's that's the only time yeah. I believe it is. Might not even one be week off. one. It could be week six, and all of a sudden somebody's oh. hurt. Oh, oh. Hey, whoa, whoa. phone calls going out. To, what about Tom Brady? Yeah, free agent Tom Brady at age forty-six yeah. or seven or whatever he would be at the time. Yeah, somebody's oh. it. Somebody will do it. Somebody's gonna that phone's gonna ring. That that, that phone will definitely ring. Hopefully, he's not gonna answer it. Uh, the missed the missing piece award. Speaking of the Buffalo Bills. Uh, go to the Bills because they thought that they were. This is what happens sometimes when you think you got all the pieces set up uh, and you think everything is in perfect place. They thought the finishing touch on their roster was just, you know, all we need to do is add a punter. All we got to do, that's all we're missing is a decent punter. Hey, look, we look in the draft and there's this guy. He's so good. We call him the punt guy, Matt Arazin. I forgot about him. I'm glad Ah, you remembered him. We all bring up. We always bring out something that the other one forgets. First pick of the sixth round, they get the punt guy, Matt Areza. Now, why is he available at the top of the sixth round if he's the punt guy? He might have gone a little earlier. Except there's this uh, small thing hanging over his head called a gang rape allegation by a 17-year-old when he was at San Diego State University. I don't know how the Bills thought they were going to get away with sneaking him uh, through the uh, through the process and not having this come out as a PR thing. We know that they're allergic to the PR thing because not long after he got drafted, the girl decides to file a civil suit against him. And about five seconds after that, the Bills cut him. 
and that was the end of the pun god in Buffalo. Now, for any male chauvinist pigs that might want to go and say, how do we really know that this was, you know, the, do we know that he was really raped? Do we? He really was involved. Maybe it was just some unfair situation. Well, here's the deal. Zero other teams picked up punt guy. He's still out there. He's still a free agent. Nobody else wanted to have anything to do with it. The Bills didn't have to draft him. He would have been undrafted. He could have done this uh, under the table after the draft was over. But no, they thought, hey, we're the Buffalo Bills. We got everything in place. All we need is a punter. We're going to reach and take this guy. He's the punt guy. No one's going to care about the the the, the background. You know, that that's just an allegation. There's nothing to worry about there. There's no charges pending or anything like that. We're, we're not going to worry about them. And as, as soon as she files a civil suit, um, yeah, I think I don't think this is going to work out. We're we're going to have to get rid of him. So uh, bad move by the Bills right there. Uh, they they thought they had the finishing touches, but uh, it wasn't meant to be with a punt guy. Well, it's also easy to cut a six round pick. It is, but they, they should have never drafted him. <laughs> they should have never even went down that road. Uh, my wiener dog of the year goes to Zach Wilson, the quarterback of the New York Jets, who was accused by an ex-girlfriend uh, before the season of banging his mother's best friend, which rallied the uh, the Pornhub section of social media around him. Oh, that's that's our guy. He's, he loves the milks. He's got that dog in him. Yeah. Uh, apparently it's a wiener dog that he's got in him. That's all he has. He needs to put the wiener away and focus on football. That's his problem right now. Here's what, uh, here's what having a dog in him uh, resulted in on the field for Zach Wilson. Get your barf bag out. Nine games uh, due to injury and inconsistency and, and bad play. Only played in nine games. 54.5 completion percentage, which we always have to point out, was pretty good back in, like, 1984, uh, but absolutely sucks in today's game. Six touchdowns, seven interceptions, and a 72.8 passer rating. Uh, dude, Ugh. Ugh. Uh, don't worry about the Mills. Get back on the field. Maybe it should have been a Chihuahua of the year. Maybe that's the dog that I was looking at. If he's got the dog, if he's got that dog in him, it, yip, 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 yip. maybe it's a little yippy uh, Chihuahua oh. dog or a, or a Shih Tzu or something. Cause <laughs> oh, not, a shit something. Yeah. <laughs> a shit sandwich. Oh, <laughs> Those are barely better than Malik Willis's stats. <laughs> He was he was bad. He was he was he bad. Yes, I thought about giving him least valuable player. He had some throws where he's where you you're like, where where are you throwing that ball? Why are you throwing it out there? There's nobody out there. Why do and he did it consistently in, in just about every game. He had a, a you know a, a scenario or two or three where he had throws that he could have easily completed somewhere else. And instead, he either throws it completely away from everybody or he throws it right to the other team. It's like what is going on with this? So, uh, he's got a long way to go to, to get over the, the MILF thing and also to get over his, his terrible play. Uh, so we'll see if he uh, ever improves that. The All-In with Deuces Award goes to John Robinson, the ex-GM of the uh, Tennessee Titans. He went all-in, and all he had was a pair of deuces. He <laughs> went all-in because he didn't want to pay wide receiver A.J. Brown, so he deals him at the draft to the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. And then he, and then he drafts his replacement, Traylon Burks who was hurt and ineffective. And then in week 13, Robinson has to watch A.J. Brown just take it out and put it all over the Tennessee Titans. He just physically dominated them. He embarrassed them. He's shoving the cornerbacks down and, and mossing them, making catches over their head. And the Eagles whoop, them, uh, whoop the Titans 35-10, to 10, just drub them. Um, and the very next day, 
John Robinson gets shit canned. That's called going all in, making that trade, and all you got is a pair of deuces. And you watch the board hit, and here come all these aces, and the uh, other guy's got an ace, and you're just completely up shit's creek without a paddle. John Robinson, all in and busted, and he's now out. Yeah, I remember giving him the award uh, the week that happened for having the worst week because not only did A.J. Brown uh, you know, crap all over them, Traylon Burks got hurt in that game. Oh, that's right. He I sure did. I think he, that's the game he got KTFO'd in the end zone and still held he on went to the to ball. Sleep in the, he did. He went to sleep in the end zone, but he held on to the, to the ball. So at least yeah. he's got that. He's got a touchdown. He doesn't remember he's got a touchdown, but at least he has a touchdown. Uh, from there, the uh, run like the cops or your old coaches behind you award goes to Justin Fields, the uh, Bears quarterback. Man, he was running his ass off all over. But he was so afraid of Matt Nagy coming back out to coach him that he just kept running, just run and run and run. Uh, he threatened to set the quarterback single-season rushing record of Lamar Jackson, who had 1,206 yards a few years ago. And he, he came a little short. He, he had to settle for 1143. But yeah, that's still a hell of an effort by Justin Fields. Amazing what happens when you have a coach who actually knows how to use your skills and actually tries to formulate game plans around what you do best. Uh, incredible. Uh, so kudos for, for Justin Fields and, and all Bears fans around the world are very excited about what's coming next with, with Justin Fields and the number one draft pick. Yeah, those Bears games were were fun watches because they had dealt away all their uh, defensive pieces, so they were a shell of themselves on the defensive side of the ball. But that mid-season four or five week run uh, that Justin Fields went on when he was fully healthy, you know, that the Detroit game, the Dolphins game, or just two of them that stand out to me right away. Some of the most just fun that you could have, uh, you know, watching someone playing at that position, you know, just it was another level of like Lamar Jackson and, and what he was able to do. And a lot of it was just plant and run, but, but still it was really fun to watch. And it was even more fun to have him in fantasy. I'm sure it was. A lot of people made a lot of money off of uh, Justin Fields. I'm sure I made me year. some money with Justin Fields this year. There you go. The uh, run with the devil award. Goes to the Los Angeles Rams, who clearly sold their soul to the devil last year to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> and everything fell apart. To air, not everything. Everything. Everything fell apart for them this year. Matthew Stafford fell apart. Cooper Cup fell apart. Aaron Donald fell apart. Uh, they they stumble and bumble their way to a 5-12 and 12 record and, and have to run through speculation once again that their coach, uh, Sean McVay, was going to retire at such a young age and give all this up and go uh, to TV, which he decided to come back for one more year uh, to coach this. So uh, best of luck next year, uh, but but don't expect any draft help because you pretty much gave away all your picks to, to win that title. Have you ever seen something so silly with such a young coach that you have to have to even begin to have talk about this? Like you, you, you're a Super Bowl winning coach. You're sort of a supposed genius what, you, you win a Super Bowl, you win one Super Bowl, oh, that's it, guys, you know, deuces, I'm out yeah. of here, <laughs> you know, come on. It's a different time, Jay. When we were younger, those coaches didn't have that opportunity to just leave and go take millions and millions and millions and yeah. millions of dollars in, in TV money. 
Um, but now you, you don't have to sit there and coach for 30, 40, 50 years like Tom Landry. You can get that one title early. Basically, uh, John Madden, I think, set the template for that. Like, he won his title with, uh, with the Raiders very early and got right. out before, you know, the stress completely killed him. And then he spent 30 years uh, on television. So if you want to try to – if you think you're the next John Madden and you want to get out and, and give, it, give it a shot, then, I, you know, there's so much money for you. I don't blame you at all. I, I, don't, I don't blame Sean McVay if he did. Uh, sit it down and, and go take that TV money. There's just so much money out there for you now. Tom Brady's going to get that TV money as if he needs it. Right. And most of these coaches, though, just take that TV job as that in-between gig between coaching jobs, you know, or, or, or it's the rehabilitation tour, and then you can go get your next coaching job. Yeah, a, a lot, lot of guys do Bates. that. Right. A lot of guys do that, but I think Bill Cowher now has set the template for, I'm going to take this job and pretend like I'm waiting for the next job, but then I'm going to turn back to the TV networks and make them drive up their price and just, you know, yeah, yeah, you want to keep me? You can give me a little bit more or else I'll go coach again yeah. and just and, keep that going. And the, 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 the unfortunate side effect of that is how just massive these, you know, these desks get for these pregame shows now that you have to have like seven guys yeah. sitting at the <laughs> desk. Come on. We got five guys here. We got four other guys out at the stadium, and then we got three other guys in, the, in another studio. Yeah, it's and our two insiders. It's like no, uh-huh. we, yeah, we don't need that. It makes you miss just Berman and TJ. It's going to be like a Wu Tang Clan concert on these, some of these shows. <laughs> the WTF of the year. I'm not going to do a what you know of the year for all of our normal weekly awards. I don't have smartest of the year, but oh, I sure. felt like I. I felt like I had to do a, a, a WTF a of the year yeah. because there's so many WTFs. There's so many times that that made you go WTF, but this one I think it, uh, needed a special award by itself because of all the WTFs, nobody WTF more than Jacoby Myers, Week 15, Patriots and Raiders. <laughs> All time doing too much moment. All time. With no time left on the clock, he decides in a tie game, we're doing the the pitchy, pitchy woo-woo. We're going all over the field, and we're deciding what we want to do. But it's a tie game. So if you don't have anything available going downfield, you can just lay down and go to overtime. And he decides, nah, I, I don't want to do that, man. He decides to turn all the way around and throw the ball 20-some yards in the air backwards towards his quarterback, Mac Jones, who's standing there going, I, I can't do anything with this ball. Why is he throwing this to me? I can't even uh, – we, we've already thrown a forward pass. I can't throw it forward again. Why are you throwing this back to me? And as it turned out, Mac Jones didn't have to do anything because he helplessly watched Chandler Jones, the former uh, New England Patriot and current Raider, run up under the ball and pick off the interception, which it was a lateral pass, so it technically wasn't an interception. Uh, statistically, in the uh, in the book, it was a fumble recovery, uh, but whatever you want to call it. Uh, Chandler Jones gets under the ball, gets the ball. Nothing left at that point for Mac Jones to do but to try to make the tackle. He's the only person between the end of the game uh, and going to overtime. And unfortunately for him, he he was he was not able to to make that tackle, and that. No, was the Chandler the Jones end? put him in his grave <laughs> on that stiff arm. Yeah, he, he absolutely did. Uh, Mac Jones had no uh, no chance to do anything about that. 
that was absolutely the WTF of the year. Jacoby Myers, why the fuck would you turn around and throw that ball? When the Finns ran the hook and lateral to beat the Patriots several years ago. Now on a third and ten, three seconds left. Jones will give it to Stevenson. He started right. He runs it up the middle. Hit by Chandler. Jones slips the head across the 45 with a stiff arm. Off a tackle at the 40. He lost the football. And Jacoby Myers picks it up. He circles back and he throws it across the field. Oh my Jones God. is picked up by Chandler Jones. He breaks away to the 30. He runs to the 20. He runs to the 10. He runs to the end zone. Unreal. Touchdown. Raiders. Good night. This might be one of the dumbest teams I've ever seen. And a victory for Las Vegas. I don't know what to say. Nobody knew what to say. Danielle knew what to say. All the WTFs. That was the WTF of the year. It's an all-timer. Right Man. there. And those announcers, the TV announcers. Yeah. You know, when you just hear the guy on the radio go, oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, you don't usually hear that from a, a, a broadcaster, but he he was just stunned. I, I, was, <laughs> I would I like watching? to point out on that that the, the announcer, when Stevenson laterals it, says, he lost the football. Like, he was just so – Sure, that Ramondre Stevenson had fumbled. Not that yeah. why on earth would he, you know, lateral that to a guy standing right by the side? Oh, and then Jacoby Myers just, you know, and, you know, the adrenaline gets to you. It's like, oh, we're gonna pitch this thing around, and yeah, he, mm. he threw a perfect, threw a really pretty ball <laughs> right to the other team. So, yeah. so you get all those Chandler Jones. Blame Ramondre Stevenson for starting all of that off because he should have probably you never just go down, just go down. He never pitched it to Myers in the first place. Uh, from there, uh, I have an award for the new Google Research Champ. And last year will be uh, Karen Rogers researching the coronavirus a couple of years ago. Uh, but I got a new champ. It's Lamar Jackson, the the Doctor MD of the Ravens, Lamar Jackson. <laughs> who uh, declared on January 12th in a tweet, hang on, I, I want to read this directly. I want to make sure I'm quoting him specifically. This is, this is my uh, audiovisual of uh, reading Lamar Jackson's direct quote on January 12th. Dr. Lamar. Thank you, everyone, for your support and concerns regarding my injuries. I want to give you all an update as I am in the recovery process. I've suffered a PCL grade 2 sprain on the borderline of a strain 3. There is still inflammation surrounding my knee, and my knee remains unstable. I'm still in good spirits as I continue with treatments on the road to recovery. I wish I could be out there with my guys more than anything, but I can't give a 100% of myself to my guys and fans. I'm still hopeful we still have a chance. Number one, uh, congratulations to his girlfriend, who I'm sure uh, tweeted that out for him because there's no uh, grammatical errors or misspellings, so that couldn't have been him. Number two, has anybody on the Ravens doctor's staff uh, ever verified any of this diagnosis? Has anyone professionally ever backed up this diagnosis of Lamar Jackson's knee? Because I haven't heard anybody except Lamar Jackson uh, declare that he's got a PCL grade two sprain on the borderline of a strain three, whatever the fuck that's supposed to mean. Uh, nobody else has said that. The Ravens have all said 
you know, we're waiting for him to come back and we're hopeful he's going to get on the field. Michael Vick basically intimated Lamar needs to just strap it up and play, which I'm not 100% behind that. But the point is, a lot of people think that Lamar is just kind of jaking this and, and going along trying to string this out because he's going to be a free agent and he doesn't want to risk any more injury. And I think that's probably what's going on too. Uh, but man, that's a, that looks like it's headed toward a nasty divorce because you don't ever see that. You don't see guys uh, out there making their own diagnoses on Twitter and the, the medical staff of the team doesn't back them up or say anything at all. They're just standing back there going, yeah, let, let him say whatever he wants. We just going to sit back here and, and watch him. Uh, so the Dr. Lamar Jackson, MD, for uh, the new Google research champ. Yeah, uh, he definitely – well, WebMD for the win. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, from there, the luck of the Nordic Irish award goes to all oh, those Minnesota Vikings. You, you didn't know there were Nordic Irish uh, up there in Minnesota. Uh, but they had some luck going on for them. They managed 13 wins despite being negative three in point differential for the season, 13 and four, but you gave up more points than you gained. How in the hell did you do that? Nine games over 500, but you're three, how? Well, here's how you do it. All but two of your wins were by one possession. And then all of your L's were by double digits. Every last one of them. Uh, But hey, in the playoffs, in the wild card round, they only lost to the Giants by seven. So they got that. Oh, got that going for him. They can uh, ride that momentum in the next season. That's right. <laughs> uh, just like the Lions riding their momentum from the from yeah. the Packers win all the way into next year. <laughs> uh, the the Big Heart Little Heart Award goes to Demar Hamlin and the NFL because clearly somebody in this situation has a big heart. Demar Hamlin has the biggest heart of them all. And somebody's got a very little heart and no heart at all, and that's the uh, that's the league. That's the NFL. I don't know all about the situation. I don't know if it's Roger Goodell or, or any other officials. I don't know who, but somebody has no heart because somebody indicated to the broadcast crew of that Buffalo Cincinnati yep. game Monday night, Week 17, that the game was going to continue after a warm up period. And as I said at the time. All you got to do is go back and watch the tape when that announcement was being made by Joe Buck. At that time, Joe Burrow is starting to warm up, and he's not just tossing the ball lightly. He's, like, getting loose. Like, he's really getting into it and getting warm because clearly clearly somebody told him, hey, you better get loose. We're about to play again. I don't know how, but we're about to start this game up again. And the look on Joe Burrow's face while he's trying to warm up, like, we're really? We're about to – restart the dude almost died out here we don't know at that time they didn't know nobody knew exactly what was going on with demar hamlin uh outside of the you know that he his heart stopped and he had to be revived nobody knew anything else but the league was going to make that decision to to make it uh own heart all over again they that was the initial reaction was you know just like vince mcmahon when Owen Hart dropped uh to his death up uh, sent him out there Show's got to go on. Send the wrestlers out and keep going. Keep the show going. And big hole in the corner of the ring where Owen Hart's body made a dent and, and broke the ring. Uh, work around that. Keep going. Show must go on. They were going to do that. They were actually going to do that. So big heart to, to DeMar Hamlin, biggest heart in the league, and no one can ever take that away from him. No heart to the NFL for, for what they were trying to do. No, I, I agree with you. We, we talked about it when it happened. That was a 
the whole thing was a mess, and and then the aftermath of that, uh, taking five more days yet to to figure out what they're going to do and how things are going to work out, and uh, that whole situation, the players and the teams, I think, all handled that exceptionally, and the league did nothing but shit all over itself. The league, the the teams, and the uh, players, uh, the the players and the organization and the coaches were the were the grown ups uh, in that situation. The league was not, uh, absolutely not. Right. Uh, we're in the after show for those who uh, uh, are listening by podcast, which is probably most of you. Uh, so we got. A, I only got a few more awards. I'm, I'm not going too much longer. The Who Says Crime Doesn't Pay Award goes to Deshaun Watson. He had so many uh, varied sexual accounts. Uh, sexual assault accusations that led to him uh, not playing last year with the Houston Texans, and they paid him not to play. They kept paying him, and they just said, we're going to deactivate him every year. Then the trade to Cleveland in the offseason after the Browns agreed to give him a five-year, $230 million fully guaranteed contract and the result of that is possibly going to lead to Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, and Project uh, all scheduling multiple massages uh, coming up in the next couple of years. Because so apparently that's the way to get the guaranteed money in the NFL. It was not the best way to set the market. And, and I hate that you're seeing this being used as a ploy, but it, it, the Texans did it. I mean, not the Texans, but the, the Browns did it, and they gave them all that guaranteed money. And for for no reason, they were probably it was so useless. And now you're going to see this just used as a trick to get all these other guys more money. And you're going you know, to Lamar Jackson, who's obviously just repping for himself. He's a doctor too. He's his agent and his doctor. Busy. And uh, yeah, I don't know how he how he's, he's just hurt because he wears so many hats. That's right. But all those other guys, yeah. uh, how can you look? Joe Burrow in the face after all he's done in his career and say, you don't deserve your contract fully guaranteed. Like right. Deshaun Watson got, come on, you're not Deshaun Watson. We can't do that for you. <laughs> Terrible. No. And, and, and unfortunately the showdown that it sets up with these teams and with these players is uh, it's not a good precedent and he, he didn't deserve it. And uh, you know, there's a lot of people who don't think he should even be playing professional football. And, mm-hmm. you know, or should have had to have sat out for at least more than one season um, with the 26, 27. I've lost count. How yeah, many countless, countless allegations. You know, there was a there was a stretch there where it was a new one coming in every day. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we yep. even talked about it on the show when well, we talked about it a lot on the show. But so let's say all of them are, you know, bogus. But for two, that, that's still that's two. still two legitimate sexual harassment, sec, you know, claims that that's, that's enough to usually get players suspended for a really long time. He didn't even get one per week. Yeah. Um, you know, or a week per, you know, he, he could, he could have been out for a long time. He's lucky. He's not, he's lucky. He got all that money. And then when he came back, he didn't play all that great either. No. Uh, the the play was not going to be good after such a long layoff. I think everybody pretty yeah. much knew that. Um, but the, just the fact that he, of all people, is the first one to get the fully guaranteed money in the NFL is just uh, it's sick on a on a on a lot of different levels. Uh, but hey, crime crime pays, and in, in this crime case, does anyway. pay. The uh, 
CareerBuilder.com Organization of the Year Award. Yep, I'm looking at you, Washington. And you know what? Jim Irsay and the Colts gave you a run, but ultimately, the Washington Washingtons, the, the Potato Skins, the Commanders, they still hold on to their title as Organization of the Year. Uh, they start off by bringing in Carson Wentz as their big answer at quarterback. Uh, what? Uh, you had the ESPN hit job uh, on, on uh, Daniel Snyder, the article that says that he believes he's untouchable as far as getting rid of the team because he's got so much dirt on all the other owners and on Roger Goodell and everybody else uh, that they can't touch him. They can't fuck with him at all. Uh, meanwhile, his wife, Tanya, is outside uh, shouting hail to the Redskins and leading chants and whatnot. So she seems to be as much of a dickhead as he is. Uh, ultimately, they start the process to sell the team after the government announced that they're going to look into some of these finances and, and some cooked books and uh, holding on to some money that they shouldn't be holding on to. Uh, so, you know, you, you think you're bulletproof? Well, the government's coming after you now, so I think that'll be about the end of that. Uh, then they honor – you see my, my scare quotes here, even though it's a podcast, you can see them uh, – honor Sean Taylor with that statue that's just uh, – wire structure with mismatched jersey and pants and soccer cleats and, and just the weirdest, most embarrassing looking thing. And everybody's looking around like, what is this? And that's not embarrassing enough because week 17, they decide they need to introduce Major Tutty, the smiling hog mascot. Why are you introducing a mascot? Why are you introducing it week 17 of the season? And why is it a smiling hog? Who told you this was a good idea? Oh, Only man. the commanders. Only the Washington commanders would do something like that. Uh, I've probably missed several other things with this organization because there's just so many things. Uh, you mentioned one thing I, I missed, which is the coffee mug with the state of Washington on it, which is so ridiculous. Uh, but once again, for everything they've done, and they're probably going to do it again next year, Organization of the Year, the Washington Commanders. Organizations win championships. <laughs> they also embarrass the uh, populace uh, over and over again if they're bad organizations like this. Finally, my last award, the Going Out on Top Award, goes to Lovey Smith because he knew the Houston Texans was going to fire his ass right after the season was over. And he said, instead of going for another tie week 18 with the Indianapolis Colts, which they tied in week one with each other, he says, nah, we're not going for that. We're going to go for two. And what that's going to do when we win this game going for two is going to ruin the Houston Texans chances of getting the number one overall draft pick, which goes to my Chicago bears. Uh, we would all, love to leave our jobs on the last day, throwing up middle fingers at our bosses and our organizations, throwing up double birds and saying, fuck you, fuck you, really fuck you. You kiss my ass. You suck my dick. The, the whole thing from, uh, from vacation, uh, uh, you know, kiss my ass, kiss his ass, kiss your ass. We would all love to do that, leaving our jobs. Lovey Smith got a chance to do that by going for two and getting the win and screwing the Texans out of the number one pick. And for that, I say, God bless you, Lovey Smith, and thank you for your service. It was, uh, like he said, it was almost my quote of the year when uh, with Lovey Smith talking about how that was his uh, biggest win as a Bears <laughs> as a Bears coach, his biggest Bears win in his career. That's right. Thank you, Lovey Smith. Hey, hey. 
And that's it. I'm I'm finished. My voice actually held oh. up. It tried to go out. Yeah. Well, nice. Yeah, it would. Uh, it only went seven seven minutes over. <laughs> that that's short yeah. for us. Right. I, I, every time I schedule for two hours for our work, I'm like two yeah. hours. Are we really gonna go there? I should really learn by now. Don't ever be afraid to fill time. We're always going to fill the time and go over it if, if that's possible. So, right. Plus, yeah. you know, when when I'm given awards, you know, we're talking about the things. So, so we there, it creates conversation, and it's funny because I actually find myself like clipping myself on some of the stuff as we're doing the back and forth. Like, okay, I better just like move on to the next one because we could just go off, you know, go kings of non sequitur here and. Yeah, it really it could go down the rabbit hole, but no, uh, another another excellent award show. Oh, always fun, always a great time. You know, oh. we, we we laughed, we laughed a little more. I don't think we cried, but man, there, there's enough stuff that could have <laughs> could have cried about some of this stuff. Had, you know, we actually had somebody basically die on the field this year. Oh man, uh, is this is. This... Been crazy. It's, it's, the year, the years. Uh, we, we, there's always something uh, throughout the years as they go on that we've we've never seen before. Uh, all the years that we're watching football, we there's always something come up. I've never seen ever. I've never seen a guy throw the ball across the field on a lateral on the last play of the game and get it intercepted for the game-winning Man. touchdown. I've never seen no. something like that. I, I've never seen that before either. <laughs> that that was unique. Or uh, that last play of the Cowboys game <laughs> with Zeke I've never seen the starting running back lineup at center for no, for and, no and, and, reason and, and get destroyed and get blowed up uh, I, I I almost wanted to give an award for that just for the juxtaposition of that and then the last play of the season last year with uh Dak running yeah. free in the open field with no time left on the clock like uh Kellen Moore uh, really covering himself in glory the last couple of years with the last plays uh, of the season for the Cowboys. Uh, so they don't have to worry about that anymore. Cause he's, he's a guy. Yeah. He's in, he's a clipper now, uh, man. So many uh, coaches moving around too. The, there's an assistant coach, uh, bloodletting after the wildcard weekends seemed like about seven or eight of them got canned uh, just on that, on that weekend alone. Uh, so that was pretty wild. I didn't give an award for that either, but I could have, uh, yeah, yeah it, was, the, it was quite the year. You have your usual, all your, you know, a lot of your head coach movement, but yeah, this year it was the year of coordinator movement. It seemed like uh, deflector shields, I call them. All they're, they're yeah. all uh, head coaches uh, sitting out their deflector shields because next year when they get eliminated, yeah. it's going to be the head coaches that. Get well, killed. it's like they're, it's like they're, it's like they're cats. It's like they're nine lives, you know, and all these, <laughs> all these, you get your, you get your certain number of lives as a coach. And, right. you know, every time you have to do one of these silly things, like get a play calling coach or how many <laughs> assistants and coordinators can you, can you can, how many quarterbacks can you bench, you know, all those things just chip away at those, at those, at those lives that you have. And eventually you have made enough moves and there's nobody left. And look, look at what Mike McCarthy just did, right? They they move mm-hmm. off of Kellen Moore. He's I'm taking over the play call and do, oh okay Mike no, that, uh, one less shield now right. Then they they bring in a new coordinator. So is the the uh, the Schottenheimer is is he just there in name only? Is is McCarthy still going to call the plays? Yeah no, the McCarthy said he's taking over the play calling duties when they fired mm. Kellen Moore. So I don't know if that's gonna gonna happen. 
But then that means that his last line of defense is when he then gives those back. Yeah. You know, after week six, when people realize that Michael McCarthy can't call a game <laughs> once you get past the first 15 scripted plays. Uh, are you there? Did you? Did I leave you? I think I lost Jay. So that'll that'll end our show, as we know when when it's the after show and one of us is dropped and they can't come back in because technically the show is supposed to be over anyway. Well, at least uh, we lasted all the way to uh, to get all of our awards in. Um, and, of course, uh, coming up next weekend is the Super Duper Bowl pick, where Jay has put me on the spot. I have to make the correct pick uh, against the spread, or else Jay will win the uh, handicapping contest over me. I, I texted him already uh, earlier this week, and I said the the usual torture that I go through to figure out who I want for the Super Bowl. I had one of those moments where it flashed on me who who I who I want to pick and and I'm not moving off of that. Uh so it's different. This is uh usually I'm not sleeping well and just trying to figure out who which way I'm going to go. But I had that moment of clarity. I know who I'm going to pick. I'm not going to reveal it here. Um but I I know. I'm I'm I already know who I who I want and uh I'm I'll tell tell everybody why I want them next week. I'll tell uh, at the same time that I tell Jay. Um, and I'm going to stick with that. And if I lose, I lose. But I have my flash uh, and I know who I want and that's where I'm going to stay. I'm going to stick with that pick and, and, and not let up. And, and hopefully it works out for me. Uh, we shall see. I probably don't need to put money on that pick. I don't need to feel that secure about it. Um, but there's plenty of uh, free Contest to play, uh, you know, DFS and whatnot, and all these sports books that I'm in, they'll probably uh, wind up offering something to entice me to to bet on the game, uh, or maybe you know, maybe just a free bet, something like that. Um, so we'll see how that works out. I'll certainly uh, try to remember to have some of those uh, thoughts next week, as well, like prop bets. Um, uh, who do I think is going to be the person you want to take in DFS uh, to the surprise and uh, get some points that you wouldn't necessarily expect. Um, who do I think is going to go over and under some of these uh, prop numbers, uh, rushing yardage, receiving yardage, and whatnot. I'll try to remember to uh, look up at least one of the sports books uh, during the show next week. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.